Well, it's Hotline League episode 163. Uh, excited to be back here uh, as we are every week. Now, some of you might be wondering if you're watching live, well, isn't this a little different? Uh, because it's one hour earlier than normal. Yes, we've officially moved the show one hour earlier to 7 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Maybe some of the people that couldn't watch it live before now can. Uh, we did this because Mark actually films the dive really early in the morning on Monday, right? Yeah, uh, call time is either 9.30 or 10 a.m. So I was usually starting my day at 10, my work day at 10, and ending my work day at 10 p.m. And that yeah. was a little long. And then on top of that, Ashley would usually go to bed around like 9.45 or 10. And then like, honestly, our show never fucking ended at 10. We ended at 10.20 like every every time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so like by that point, she's been in bed 20 minutes. And she's like, shut the hell up. And yeah. So. Yeah. And I think... Uh... One thing that's funny about this was I suggested it to Mark last week. I was like, oh, we could we could maybe move this early up. And like, I was like, well, maybe we'll do one at the regular time next week so that we, and he's like, no. Immediately <laughs> after hearing this, this this idea, he was like, we're doing it. The show next week is starting at 7. I'm like, okay. Um, now, of course, the show is brought to you by Alienware and Gamefield. We'll talk more about them later on in the show. But let's go ahead and introduce our co-host for the evening. That's Emily Rand. How's it going, Emily? Good. I'm doing well. Very good. Well, it's uh, great to uh, be having you on the show again. Uh, for those that don't know, Emily and I actually worked together at Yahoo, uh, Yahoo Esports, a long time ago. So uh, I miss it so for a very long time. Yes, we all we all miss it. Uh, I see it some people in the chat the saying best. that I'm kind of quiet. So um, you sound good to me. Yeah, I'll. Yeah, you sound fine to me, but I feel like Mark and I probably aren't the. So I think I think I had. Mark and Emily turned up a lot uh, because I was doing like a interview with somebody this past weekend and they were kind of quiet. So um, now we should all sound quiet, which hopefully will allow all of you or allow everyone to, to move everybody up. Uh, but Twitch chat, if you can keep letting me know, that would be. Look at what a good screenshot that one was. The, I didn't even, I didn't time it, but Emily threw throwing up gang signs. Travis looking kind of surprised. I'm just doing a peace sign. So throwing up gang signs. <laughs> That's so good. Get out of here. It's a good. It's a good screen cap. Usually, it's not that good. Uh, anyway, uh, Mar Mark, how's your week been? What's been going on with you? Uh, I don't know. I uh, I watched a couple movies. I watched Raya. I watched something else. That I can't remember. Uh, some anime. Juju, Juju, yeah, Kaisen's latest episode is dope. Horimiya's latest episode is dope. They're both really, really funny. Um, Raya, I didn't love. I thought it was just mediocre. Um, God, I watched another movie this week, but I can't remember what it was. That I didn't like it. I don't think I liked it. I've actually, it's funny you say that because I, so I went and watched Wandavision. I finally subscribed for to Disney Plus, and uh, and I watched Wandavision, and then I started watching back a bunch of the old marvel movies uh kind of from the beginning skipping we're the doing that too oh really yeah yeah we're, we skipped a bunch of the beginning too we we kind of picked up with civil war because i never seen that uh and we're around there i think yeah so that's pretty cool i'll go ahead Amy. i tweeted this i was gonna say i tweeted this the other day but i've never seen a marvel property really ever. i don't think yeah is there a moral reason for that no i just I like, I'm really bad about watching movies in general. Like I, I probably won't watch them unless someone recommends it to me and, or makes it a point to be like, Hey, we're hanging out and we're watching like X movie. 
um, because I watched too much League of Legends. And last year I watched too much, literally everything and had no free, like, like I joke about how I don't sleep, but like last year was just, uh, I'm, I'm actually probably still recovering from it to be fair. And you were, you were, uh, rewarded for all that work by losing your job. <laughs> it was very unlucky. Uh, but, uh, how about you, Emily? How's your, your past week been? Uh, it's been good. You know, uh, LPL came back, so that's made me very, very happy. Um, I am really behind on anime. The only one that I've made an effort to keep up with is Wonder Egg Priority. And they had a surprise recap episode last week, which on the one hand kind of sucks. On the other hand, production is probably like going through it. So if that means that we end up with a better product, it's not the kind of show that you can really phone in, at least from like a uh, conclusion standpoint. So it's been really good up to now. And everyone's kind of wondering like, is the other shoe going to drop? Because it's handling a lot of um, really topics that require a lot of nuance. Uh, so whenever an anime does that, you're kind of just sitting there like, are you going to be able to pull this off? Because most can't. So I have that's that. Where, uh, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at time with time with, with anime. That's my constant. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm yeah. sure you do. I'm always watching a lot of crazy anime. Um, well, that's good. Uh, glad to hear it. I, actually, I thought maybe we could just do a quick little interview uh, as we used to do this more with some of our guests, but I think we've had so many repeats recently. But uh, Emily, I mean, how has this year been for you? Because I look, I, you and I both miss Yahoo and I miss working with some of those people, but I do look at sort of what I get to do now. And I, you know, as much as I miss the people, I do feel like Yahoo Esports going away did end up working out kind of well for me because I never would have thought that I'd have this kind of success. You now on the broadcast uh, doing all this stuff. I mean, that's really exciting. So I'm, I'm kind of curious. What has this year been like for you as you transitioned over? It's been really weird, honestly. Like um, last year was such a... I don't want to say slog, but like I was doing so much stuff and I was pushing myself so hard to do all of this stuff that um, it when I didn't have anything to do, I kind of just like, was just like, oh crap, like what, what is life even kind of one yeah. of those weird like existential crises. Um, uh, so when I was contacted to be a part of NALCS, I had actually applied to do something possibly with the global team, um, whatever that was. And so I was really shocked that they wanted me for uh, the desk because, as you know, I didn't do video content until I came to Yahoo, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and previously, people had always kind of pigeonholed me where they'd been like, you're not good on video, just stick to being a writer. Like, I've been told that a lot, actually. Um, so the overwhelming amount of support that I've received for being on broadcast has actually been, like, quite shocking to me. I was expecting to just have uh you know to like have to like really really be like okay like i promise uh i'll get better and i will get better i, I don't think i'm like particularly good right now to be quite honest but um it's been like the amount of people have been really supportive has been really overwhelming in like the best way possible so i'm really happy with where i'm at right now and i have other things in the works too that will probably be announced within the next like 
few weeks or so. Uh, so that'll be fun. And I'm going to get back into writing at, at some point. Um, I've had kind of a weird mental block around that because I've been sitting on an interview that I did with my favorite player all the way back in 2019 worlds that I really want to get out. And I'm just kind of have this like mental block around it. So it'll come out sometime in the next month and mm-hmm. then hopefully I'll start writing again. Yeah. Very good. I think we've been pretty good on the broadcast, all things considered. I think uh, with having to come in at remote, you know, it's not the easiest. Um, there's like a lot of things that I miss being in person that you, you just don't have access to, whether that is mm-hmm. like, you know, hand gestures to be like, I'm talking next. Like the period system that we use in, in Discord is like fine, mm-hmm. but it, it's so much harder to jump in. Like, oh, I have a quick point. You know, like you do like this excited finger wag. Like there's no like way to like do excited period, you know, like. <laughs> Sometimes I write in specifically like small point here, you know, or whatever, but like just the the level of cohesiveness on the desk is worse. Like planning things is worse. Cause like when, when I want to review a, a, you know, a replay that we're calling up in studio, I just like walk over to the room where the fucking people mm-hmm. are making the replay and I get to be, no, put it, do this here, do that there. And like, I don't know. I, I think you've done very well given that the current workflow is very suboptimal. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you've done done really well too, and obviously the community and everyone seems to have reacted really positively to it. And I, I, I know you're somewhat surprised by that. I'm somewhat surprised by it, not just because, like, not not because I think that you are, aren't worth it or anything like that, but I just, in the past, the community has been really shitty. I think sometimes to, um, to just people that are new faces or women or any of this stuff, and so I think it's been great to see. Uh, there was so much love for you right out the gate. Uh, so I'm really happy to see that. Yeah, it makes me really happy. So thank yeah. you, community. Uh, well, regardless, uh, let's go ahead and talk about what what were the big stories this past week. Actually, overall, kind of like a quiet week for drama, um, I guess I would say. Uh, I will do my thing that I, I said that I will do at the start of every show now, which is say that it's been uh five weeks since i asked riot for a statement and they have provided no no statement on the lcs import (laughs) rule stuff uh we'll continue that until they do uh but other than that it's been just a a week mostly of the games right is there anything that i'm missing i mean uh the games and the weekend were pretty exciting it was a really Mm -hmm. good weekend yeah Uh, that's what i mean thank god yeah the first week in a while where i feel like the the best stories the biggest stories are all from from the broadcast uh, and the games themselves. So it's really exciting to see. Uh, actually, I was going to ask you guys, what is this thing that just broke around pro player else, like accounts getting deleted? Did you guys uh, see this? There was a... I haven't seen that. At the start of the year, there were a lot of, not even just pro accounts, but like Riot-given accounts, which I think also extended to players who were not pros. Um and they had been given kind of inflated MMR, I think around, like I'm, I'm totally spitballing here, but it was like a round challenger MMR. And so people were like flying up the rankings and like people who had been like mid to low diamond were now like getting insane LP gains and were like flying up up the, the ranking. Um, hmm. And so a bunch of people were like, how is this diamond two guy or like diamond four guy in, in like my high masters game now or, or shit like that, you know, like, it was it was it was something really whack like that, and then people were complaining for a long period of time, way back at the start of like the ranked season, 
And now they're just saying like, oh yeah, those accounts were fucked up and they are basically nuking those ones and giving appropriately placed MMR ones. Interesting, okay. So I don't think it was really a pro player issue so much as like all Riot issued accounts were kind of just given the same MMR, I think. Maybe not all of them, but at least like a good, some, some portion of them. Uh, it was kind of weird. Interesting. I didn't know about this until you mentioned it. So I'm probably the worst person to ask. No, it I was. Mean, I, oh, go ahead. I hadn't seen anyone talk about it in months, honestly. I, I saw it like right when rank season opened, you know, like whatever that was, January, February. Um, yeah. Well, regardless, doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal, uh, but I guess it's kind of funny that eh. this was an issue. I think it's a big deal for like people who spam play the game a lot in high elo because like there's just a bunch of people who shouldn't be in your games, in your games, and taking up spots on the ladder. Mm-hmm. It has like yeah. a, a it has a knock on effect to people who didn't have like the bad accounts having to play against people or with people with the bad accounts, and like it just kind of threw the whole top of the system in, into trouble. Yeah, I guess uh, I meant more just like it getting fixed. Doesn't sound like it's. It's not like a bunch of pro players are like, oh, or like uh, whatever Riot made accounts or whatever are going to be in a, in a weird situation. I don't know. It's probably a little annoying for the pro players. I think they have to probably regrind their accounts a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If, they, if they're using those for their solo queue. Uh, well, let's talk about the games this weekend then. Um, I just want to give a, a big shout out to myself for accurately <laughs> calling that CL, a CLG beating Team Liquid game. Because I just like... Mark Mark uh, makes fun of me so often for providing, admittedly, narrative-driven analysis because there's no way that I can ever uh, create, you know, good analysis because I'm an idiot. But <laughs> I just was sitting there before, like, a, as they were getting in a champ selector right beforehand, I was like, what would be the most LCS thing in the world? It would be for Team Liquid to right now just randomly lose to CLG. Like, it's such a CLG situation. It's such, like, an LCS thing. And boom, it happened. And I, I called it on Twitter. I felt really good about that. But other than that, there were some other stories. Dignitas continues to be good uh, against all odds. Yeah. Um, I remember... Uh, <laughs> against all logic and common yeah. sense, Dignitas is not... <laughs> well, I think you know what's funny is we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. We had like a caller or somebody call in and, and be excited about them. And uh, I was like, this is the Dignitas story. They're always really good at the start of the split. And then they drop off. And I'm wondering if perhaps the fact that it's only six weeks of a split, it actually helps them because uh, maybe they would drop off in week seven or eight and now they can't uh, because there's no week seven or eight. <laughs> it's a Dignitas buff. Uh, but I don't know. What else did uh, you two enjoy this past weekend? Um, I've enjoyed C9 going one and two. Uh just, just for the the you know kind of last second question mark thrown in at the end of the end of the regular split because it did feel like they were kind of running away with it. Um, TL beating them kind of gave TL a little bit of hope, but then also losing the TSM meant like, yeah. oh crap, TSM might might actually be good too. Yeah. How about you, Emily? Anything from this weekend that you really were excited about or that you thought was fun? Um, I mean, I as people know if they've seen me on broadcast i really like watching this dignitas team i think they're really fun despite the fact that you can also very easily make the argument that they're benefiting off of a lot of things that their opponent uh, a lot of mistakes that their opponents make um 
I think TSM doing well uh, kind of makes me happy because I kind of always want Sword Art to do well, um, especially as someone who's coming over from like LPL LMS to NA. Um, and just generally, I think he is a really good player, but he's also not going to look particularly good on a team until that team's communication gets sorted out. So this actually happened when he was on Sooning too. Um, and it's been very nice to see the transition now on TSM uh, where as, you know, the team seems more comfortable and uh, seems to have a better communication system with each other, uh, he looks a lot better because he's always going to be someone who's better out of lane uh, as a roamer, uh, et cetera. So I actually think Huni is very similar. I think Huni is always going to look better on a team that has strong communication as well because he also likes, uh, you know, TPing all over the map to help his teammates, uh, et cetera, sometimes when yeah. he shouldn't. So I think uh, a lot of the quote-unquote problems or like the good Huni, bad Huni, uh, I think actually has a lot to do with just generally if a team's communication is really good, he's going to look really good. Uh, Kelsey Moser in chat says, did anyone mention player of the week, fake God? Uh, no. Uh, oh. <laughs> Kelsey knew it all along. Did you, uh, what, why do you have such an immediate reaction? Oh, I'm just trolling because no one wants to talk about NA players, especially young ones on. I mean, it NA is team. really funny that Dignitas is like having such a great record this I year. I mean, the funny yes, thing is, there's been so much talk about this. The only person you could argue that was snubbed by Fake God getting that was was Neo, his own yeah. teammate. Was Another... his own teammate, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's funny. Uh, do you think that's because like Dignitas is actually looking that good, or is it just a weird inconsistency that we're seeing in the league right now, where like you do have things where TL beats C9 one day and the next day they lose to CLG? Like, wh what do you think is really causing that? Well, I think uh, if you're looking at like what how how we vote for player of the week or like what no I just mean like how Dignitas is good. Well, I guess I should say like yeah, is Dignitas really that good? Like whenever people are talking about the best players in the league, do we need to start bringing Fake God and Neo into those conversations, or is it just that we're in a situation where like the people that uh, fans thought and analysts or whatever were going to be the best players in the league like like perks and others are somewhat underperforming compared to, you know, what people expected from them as like stars in the league. I mean, I don't think perks has been underperforming particularly, but um, with, with fake God in particular and Saligo, I think there's always this weird stigma where people make up their minds really quickly about players off of like two performances. So like when people thought of, Saligo, they thought of like one bad performance he had in a situation where he was kind of rushed onto the stage, perhaps before he was ready. Um, but there's one thing I want to call out Dignitas for doing well, and it that's, doesn't apply to their last draft, if I remember correctly. But, uh, you know, for, for a lot of their drafts, it really looks like you're rotating around the flexibility of Dardoch's champion pool, and then you're basically saying to the rest of the team, okay, what do you play well? And that's a really good strategy. Like, I know a lot of people get criticized for drafting in a vacuum, and rightfully so, because I do think it's a problem. But I also think that there's a lot to be said for drafting for your players and making sure they're on things that they are comfortable on. And I do think Dignitas does that. I also just think they have really good hands. So when you team fight them, they're, they're typically just... Uh, uh, especially with the new solo lanes and how well Neo has been playing, which actually has surprised me more than 
the success of Fake God and Saligo uh, based on their previous performances. But um, uh, they they kind of just out team fight you a lot of the time, which is just for me as someone who also just watches a ton of LPL is very fun. Yeah. Um, to also to circle back to like the broader, is it other teams sucking or Dig being good? I mean, I think it's a little column A, column B. Like this weekend had a lot of upsets in that sense with C9 losing, and then TL getting their 3-0 ruined by CLG and Dig beating TSM and Dig being the only 3-0 team. I think it was kind of a, a bit of a perfect storm, uh, and their players played well. And I think like regardless of any of that, and like is Dig overperforming and whatnot, like they're clearly better than we thought at the start of the year. So like. It's kind of one of those things where I feel like some people are still looking at reasons to put them down, and it's like, okay, yeah, if you want to be negative, like they're probably not going to win the split, and they might not go to Worlds. But this is a team that was like, you know, all NA players. No one thought was going to be making playoffs this split, and here it is, like currently tied for second, heading mm -hmm. into the last, you know, thing. So it's like, yeah, you can take the really negative angle if you want, but like it's actually still an insanely good split for them, and probably going to be a, a whole year that's like really, really good. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe we should go into calls now. Mark, do you want to explain? It's been a couple of weeks since we've done this. Do you want to explain how the show works? Yeah, for people who don't know, this is a live call-in show. So you're going to be able to go ahead and get on air if you want to. Uh, the way that you do that is we have a Discord that we use. I am spamming it in Twitch chat right now. Go ahead. Ooh, not a single V in there. Let's go. Uh, you're going to join the Discord. Join the pleb calls or pleb calls to voice channels and mute your microphone once you get in there no mouth breathers please uh then in the pleb topics text channel you're going to go ahead and put it as what that you want to talk about which team you think is doing well player scene type questions anything uh specific questions for emily you know of course uh we'll take those and then uh if we like it we'll pull you from the pleb calls room to the waiting room where you'll hang out until it's your turn we'll do a quick audio check when it is make sure your microphone's working and then we'll have you on air talking with us and if you are a sub, first off, thank you for being a sub. Uh, if you aren't a sub, then no thank you to you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, be sure to use the sub topics chat. Uh, it does move a little slower than the pleb topics chat, so it doesn't guarantee you coming on. Like if you have a bad take, that would not be good for the show. It's just but, more readable. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but be sure to do that, and then uh, that does increase your chance of being on the show. Thank you to our subs for uh, for doing that. Uh, Duke seventeen in chat has been spamming. Please ad address dig strength of schedule, please. Basically saying that this week was really easy for them. Next week is gonna be really tough. I don't think this week was that easy for them, right? Didn't they have two playoff tier opponents? They have well, they had Golden Guardians, EG, and TSM. TSM. Yeah, yeah. So TSM, and then I think the big thing is EG because people don't really know where to place them. Um, but I do agree that looking at their final week, they have a tough week. Yeah, they have TL and yeah. Cloud9 next week. So I mean, who knows where EG... Like, there's a chance EG falls out of playoffs, but assuming that they stay where they are-ish, like, they're still a playoff-bound team. This is still yeah. a team that spent millions more dollars, probably. You know, like... Uh, and uh, they play TL, C9, and... FlyQuest next week. So they can go one and two and still finish with a super positive record on the year, right? It'd be like 11 and seven if they do that. Let me double check. Yeah. Yeah, 11 and seven. Who, who put that one down on your little pickums at the start of the year? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, Mark will go grab our first caller here in a second. 
but as it's happening, I want to shout out some subs. Thank you to uh, Rurikiri, A Nasty Orange, MSU Gerard, Zushi. Uh, where are we? Core user Twitch gifted a sub. Mori Wakes, uh, Darking, 37 months. Holy moly. Uh, Blank27 paid six months in advance of subs. Thank you, Blank. Holy moly. Uh, Cole Koloth, Haramos, uh, to Ender, uh, Kira NB, LOL Tyler One, spelled J U A N. That's great. Uh, Gundram, and Jobadiah gifted a sub as well. Looks like we got our first uh, caller here. Josh Eight Far is here. Josh, uh, you were on very recently, right? I was the last caller you guys had. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, what? Do you want to, what do you want? Oh, sorry. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Fairfax, Virginia. Fairfax, uh, Virginia. That's right. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um, this is directed more towards Emily and Mark as their uh, on-air talent um, for the LCS broadcast. Uh, obviously, last episode, you guys had a caller that uh, I believe you pulled from his stream talk about turnover. And with big names like Doublelift and Bjergsen, uh, being cycled out and a lot of new players coming in. I think there's a distinct lack of editorial coverage for new players. Um, obviously, Travis fills uh, a void here, but um, he can't do all of the work uh, and not a lot of other editorial content and interview-based content is out there besides like post-game discussions. Um, and I think that that is causing a lot of people to move towards those personalities that they are comfortable with, with co-streams, with Sneaky and Doublelift, um, and Medios, and even LS, a personality that's been uh, developed has co-streams as well. Um, so I, I really think, or, or my question is, are you guys comfortable right now with the current broadcast uh, analyst desk where there's Dash comes up with skits and you guys have like the McDonald's um, McDonald's thing or do you think uh, the LCS could better utilize its editorial talent to create narratives around these new players and maybe introduce give these players an introduction towards uh, the LCS stage first things first I have to defend James um, he's not funny at coming up with skits those are all me Dash, so you know <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, it's if if you don't like the skits, it's not Dash's fault. Oh no, I I love the skits. I think they're great. I'm just curious if you think there's maybe a medium that could be struck. Yeah, yeah. I, I was mostly mostly kidding. It's a it's a team thing. Everyone has like a meeting that we do on Mondays that you know we, we come up yeah. with ideas and stuff. So, uh, just didn't want Dash to to, to become the, the target <laughs> if, if if someone uh, didn't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll take some of this because I am new to the broadcast, so I've previously been really critical of it, um, publicly, and, uh, I used to, and still am, like I said, I'm going to be writing and, I don't know, maybe doing some video interviews, uh, uh, as a journalist. Um, I think the thing that I've found super difficult about transitioning to the analyst desk that has a lot to do with this is the fact that you have such a limited amount of time. Um, and you're going to a really wide audience. So unfortunately, one of the things that happens is that you end up um, 
doing something where you kind of have to do make it as as broad as possible. I've really struggled with this analytically. If you notice, sometimes I start speaking really, really fast because I try to add in like so much context analytically and I'm trying to like shove it in because I know I only have a few minutes to speak. Um, and that's not like a, a criticism. It's just something that happens, right? Because we have a really limited amount of time to dispense information. Do I think the broadcast could do a better job with player narratives? Yes, I do. Um, like I hold myself accountable for that, not just now on the analyst desk, but previously uh, as a journalist, I think it's really easy to fall into go gravitating towards personalities that people already know, people you know they're going to be really, really good on camera. Um, one thing that I think is kind of awesome that I want to call out is something like Fake God, for example, where this kid is hilarious. I love his interviews so, so much. He's so funny. I don't think he means to be. He's great. <laughs> it's like insanely charming to me. Um, the the kind of like balance he strikes between like being like incredibly blunt and like just slightly awkward. I think it's great. Um, and I think like showcasing that a lot more, bringing out referencing. I, I try to reference the interviews as much as possible on there. Um, something that I don't want to spoil, but that we're going to do on broadcast this coming week uh, might help with that as well. Um, I also thought last week, uh, or the week before, maybe, uh, whenever Kyoto was on, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, so I'm sorry. I, I think he had some good, um, thoughts about how to help the process of building up younger players. Um, another thing I do want to call out that is a really big struggle for me personally, I know last year when I was a journalist, I felt really inadequate, uh, trying to write around the fact that I could not interview people in person. And it's such a valuable experience to be able to go off of people's body language and, uh, you know, just kind of like generally get a sense of who they are, what they do, have more time with them, probably just be able to like, if it's a new player, for example, who's like really uncomfortable with the interview, open up with something like game specific, just randomly like shoot the shit about the game that really helps get people open up and that maybe that part just gets axed from the interview completely. But the end result is that that player is a lot more comfortable. So they come across a lot better. Um, sorry, I'm trying to cram in everything I can think of, but like, it's a lot, it's nuanced. I don't disagree with you actually. Uh, I think we could do better. Um, I'm always the kind of person, if you ask though, that I always think I personally can do better. Um, yeah, that, that is the end of my answer. Uh, someone in the Discord pub topics chat that I don't want to pull because it kind of ties into this is why doesn't the LCS highlight the POG awards like they do in other major regions? Uh, which is funny because Emily in one of our meetings today brought up wanting to do that a little bit more often about who is getting the player of the games. Um, you spoiled and, it, Mark. That was the thing oh, I was, was saying. I didn't thing? want to spoil it. Yeah, that's coming this week. Whoops. Uh, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. I wasn't uh, sure if we were allowed to say you it. Guys, hey, you, you guys are allowed to say anything you talk about in meetings here, okay? Comp I'm, mm -hmm. I have no issue with that. Feel free to talk about any news that you hear um, or any, any information from the meetings. Well, uh, if it's on me, it's on Mark. So uh, don't fire me, please. No one from Riot watches this show. Um, <laughs> Travis is on it. So I'm just no. check and make sure Sherman's not Get in out the of chat. Here. Yeah, no, he literally Sherman's typed probably in chat. Sherman <laughs> is in the chat. Okay. And also Riot PR is in the chat. Okay. Well, um, at least Mark still has Hotline League. Uh, so I was going to say that I think, uh, I definitely agree with Emily that I think we could do a better job. Part of it is I think 
I miss being in studio and like mm-hmm. the ease of like, hey, what what usually happened at the end of of day was that players would get a um, features interview, which would be like they would go after their match, they do all their stuff with their fans, they do you know these these greetings outside, sign stuff, and they would come back in, and you would usually grab a player from that day's games and interview them that night about, hey, what went wrong today? What do you think about your match tomorrow? Kind of thing, and then that would get cut up and, and put into little things. Um, and that's just not there anymore. Uh, so and- they do something because, like, when I didn't get uh, Vulcan, and I thought it was because Jack was trying to stop me from talking to Vulcan, <laughs> Jack claimed that it was because Riot had interviews with him. So I mean, I'm sure there's still some. I just don't. I don't. And maybe it's because it's remote. I don't know if this is yeah. going on as much, but I. I I remember being in meetings and like the person who was doing the interviewing would be like, Hey, so I talked to this player today. And even if we didn't use it on camera, you know, she would tell us like, Hey, this player felt this way about this game. And he said this right. about that thing. And like, I just don't, don't hear that at all anymore. When I used to hear it quite literally every meeting I was in. Um, so I do think part of it's that, but I also don't want to blame that on like, fully on remote because like we should be finding ways to better integrate player personalities, especially when so many of the big ones have retired that like we need to get, players authentically in front of the, the main audience and be like, look at this guy. He just won the game. And also look at how funny he is or, or whatever, or like how insightful he is. And like, you know, or watch him talk shit. Like there's a lot of different personality types that I think we can cater to beyond just funny or shit talking, you know, like, um, I don't know. I, I would like to, to find more, um, you know, more avenues to do this. I know this is just going to be Travis complaining about and making this about me. Uh, but that's what I do here. Uh, uh, wait, so real quick. Sherman says we still do request interviews of specific players throughout the week for content uh, the following week. Um, so I, I knew we had some. Like, we do have some features and stuff like that. I I, I just I, I don't know what, what the bandwidth is compared to what it was when it was like, okay, everyone, every single player basically had to do these kind of f- these feature interviews. Yeah. Well, regardless, one of the things that drives me crazy is like, I and I was thinking a lot about this after we had uh, Kyoto on or Andre on last week. Whenever he was talking about like trying to to drive the rivalries and all that stuff, like I've tried to do this a lot this split. And you know, one of the things I did this past week was I had that interview with Closer, where he basically was like, "Yeah, I don't think TSM's that big of a deal. We could take them in a best of five. Like, I think my five players are better than their five players," and. That's the type of thing where, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, like Riot is more than willing to take, or is, is I'm more than willing to have Riot take my interviews that I do and like air them on the broadcast, clips of them, they can pull the branding out of them and they can pull my face out of them because I record two separate videos and they can just use that during the COVID time. like. There, I, there's a lot of stuff that I try to do with my content specifically to try to drive narrative. And then I like headline in certain ways and all that stuff. And I would love to see more of the stuff be, e- I mean, even, even if it's not the video itself, just like the storyline recognized on the broadcast, mm-hmm. you know, well, that one was, I've brought, I've brought up a few of your interviews before. I, I brought that. I brought that one specifically up for the TSM hundred thieves match. I was watching Medios' hey. co-stream. They certainly already do a lot of taking content as well with in between games showing the like the TSM videos or like sometimes 
uh, other ones uh, obviously i'm not remembering but I, uh, the most recent one i remember is the huni one the other day uh there's like the golden guardians yeah. newbie one we 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 yoinked earlier as well before that mm -hmm. yeah wasn't there a niles one as well that came up mm -hmm. yep. yeah the uh yeah. the newbie video was so perfectly timed because i don't know if people saw one of the tsm executives had said like golden guardians does nothing for fans and uh and tries to make no fans or whatever and then the very next day that video happened and one of the top comments was like and i took that personally um, <laughs> I really thought was funny. uh regardless like i i don't know I, I i appreciate you guys bringing that up um because i just i i really like i i one shout out to Gyoto because i like obviously i think about this stuff a lot but he sort of put it back front and center in my mind again when we, he was talking about stuff last week Travis um, only has one spot in his mind for something. It was full of import rules. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so yes. he had to like kick it out to yeah. get, get get the brain space. Yeah. Uh, either Travis, way, is your job harder now that you can't just camp outside uh, the front doors of the LCS stadium waiting for uh, players to come out, or um, <laughs> that contribute a little bit to maybe why, okay. uh, like I don't know, not as many people are on air, um, or do you think there's been a, a drop in the amount of people uh, that have been able to be featured because you have to reach out and it's a lot harder to make scheduling happen? Well, so so the a lot of people might not know this, but you you've always had to submit requests. So when you see me outside doing interviews with players, it is not a situation where like I'm grabbing them on their way out. I kind of wish it was because he's just be reaching fun. out. He's uh, lying. He's just yeah. reaching out and like plucking them. Okay, know, so I really wish it did work that way though. I yeah. think it's humorous. It'd be uh, hilarious if that I'm, were true, but no, I'm, it's not. Unironically though, that is some of the best content. I feel like is the like in-person nature of like double lift in Travis interviews, but then like Sneaky would walk out, yes. or like you know people would just kind of like float yeah. in and out, and and. None of that is there's just no interaction, which just sucks right now. That's probably one of the things I miss the most is like the kind of natural. I mean, the the, the created pieces by the teams is great, but seeing like two players banter that you can just see is like it's just not there. I miss it. Yeah, yeah it was so hard to do like and this is a failing of me as a writer, first and foremost, but it was really difficult for me to with the type of narrative features that I really like doing, which are these long narrative features that typically no one tends to read, um, but <laughs> involves like interviewing a player and then several other people around them or people they know, et cetera, and doing like a really lengthy narrative piece. And that's really difficult to do if you don't see someone in person, because a lot of it you're taking from how they interact with you, how they interact with other people, what they're like on stage, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, 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 oh, I, I was going to say to answer your question, I, it, I do miss that stuff a lot. There is some element of like, I don't know, I think for longer, I've been able to do longer interviews in some cases um, just over webcam uh, in a way that I did not anticipate being able to. And I don't know what the difference is. I don't know if it's because it like, maybe normally it feels like a player really wants to like head out or something and I don't have that sense of urgency in other situations, but it does it does feel like I can kind of do longer interviews over the webcam. So I kind of enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm curious to see if if the interviews kind of naturally get shorter again later on, but I, I don't know. It's funny because um, you're making me very nostalgic for back in the day when I used to be able to do interviews at the studio because uh, I, I, Riot has these like interview rooms upstairs 
and I always rejected using those and just always wanted to do them anywhere else just because it's so much more dynamic and I thought it was really fun when you could see like fans walking around in the background. I really like the idea that it gave fans the idea like this experience of basically being there like as a fan you could kind of get the atmosphere and the vibes or whatever. You could so. hover awkwardly out in the corner and watch. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It, regardless, um even even when it's like not even like a pro player comes in and like suddenly takes over the interview or interacts with somebody. It's like sometimes you would just see a team like the losing team, I'd be interviewing the winner, and then like the losing, <laughs> the losing team, team would just, just walk by, by dejected yeah. in the background, and I'd be asking them about beating them. I'd be like, okay, let's keep our voices down because they're walking by, <laughs> and we're good. You know, it's I I miss that stuff a lot. Um, oh, anyway, sorry, Josh, you were gonna ask something. Uh, I was just going to point out basically what you just said, and with Mark saying uh, how other players like Sneaky would come in. I think so far this during the pandemic, some of the best interviews have spawned as a result of that spontaneity that you guys uh, mentioned. Like the Oduwamne one, I don't know if you guys uh, saw that one where he was uh, crowned like MVP of the game and like he didn't know it was going to happen and the broadcast didn't know it was going to happen. And in the background, his team comes in and other people are messing with him and pouring like confetti or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I have think, not seen that. That sounds good though. Yeah, it's it, yeah. I think. That's something that we definitely missed. Um, and obviously a lot of the talent from back then is, has been moved through with Sneaky. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess thanks for all these answers. It's been great. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for the call. Is there anything you want to shout out before we go on to the next caller? Um, Game Fuel again. Uh, I, I got in the mail my uh, the victory caller stuff uh, it's sitting at home I, I need to go drive and, and grab it but I, I did really appreciate that and I'm super excited to get some caffeine back in my system nice well congratulations Josh uh, happy to hear that it already got delivered that's pretty quick turnaround uh, oh. and uh, we'll catch you next time yep thank you all right we're gonna take a quick break really quickly to talk about our other sponsor this evening Alienware we love Alienware so much uh, honestly, you know, sometimes I, I'm like, oh, they've sponsored me for so long. I'm running out of things to, to praise them for, because I feel like so many of you now know this, but once again, I had multiple people tweet this week talking about how they got an Alienware computer, um, or an Alienware monitor. That stuff is always awesome to see. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, go check out their stuff at Alienware.com slash Travis. Use Travis 10 off to save 10%. Uh, and and check out their stuff. They've got the new Alienware Aurora that you can you can go see. Uh, they've got these amazing high refresh rate monitors. People always praise Alienware for their monitors uh, in particular. So if you're in the market for a monitor, make sure that you check them out. And uh, yeah, I mean it's just uh, it's just so fantastic to see what they're doing. I I have by the way, I realize this isn't for most people, but I still still it's been about a year now since I've had it, maybe a little bit longer, and I still absolutely love this 55-inch OLED uh, gaming monitor that I have up to my left. Uh, you can go check it out over at Alienware.com/travis and use code Travis10 off. We thank Alienware so much for the support of the show. Anyway, you want to grab the next, next caller? Yeah. Uh, Sylvan says, reminder that Travis's discount code stacks with site-wide discounts. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't always know which, what, wonder what situations it does and doesn't. So, uh, 
Yeah, go check go check it out because sometimes they do these big discounts um, across the website. And uh, and by the way, if you ever find a code or anything that's better than mine, be sure to use it. Um, like right now, they've got seventeen percent off on a bunch of stuff for their annual semi annual sale, uh, and and their code is save seventeen. So I want you to save money. But if you if you it's still helpful if you you use alienware.com slash Travis to enter the website because at least that will also give me some credit even if you use a different discount code. Spires is here. Spires, where are you calling from? Hey there, I'm calling from uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga, Tennessee. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, on the show today, I want to talk about that 100 Thieves uh, should and they need to sub DeMonte back in if they want to have any chance in contending in the spring playoffs. Um. And I just like before I, I want to preface this, I don't necessarily think uh, like a six man roster is necessarily bad for 100 Thieves. Um, but I think like right now in the position they're, they're in, I don't think that um, having Ryoma back in uh, is necessarily like the right call if they want to contend in um, the playoffs. I think watching last week, um, both games one and two, um, because basically what everyone kind of has like the idea, idea of is Ryoma is kind of like a better control mage player than um, DeMonte is, right? Uh, I mean, we've seen both of these pl uh, players play, you know, Oriana, Azir. Um, um, but I think we've seen that 100 Thieves uh, really doesn't play very well into that control mage style. Um, and if we, you know, looking back at the beginning of the split uh, and in the, uh, the tournament, the lock-in tournament, We've seen that 100 Thieves really, like the, the soul of 100 Thieves and their identity is like proactivity, right? And we see, at least at the beginning of the split, um, a lot of like bot turret dives. And not not all the time do they necessarily go well or, or like they actually got something out. And sometimes, you know, they did, you know, kind of lose in gold or lose in fights from these dives in bot lane. Um, but I don't necessarily think that anyone was really like, I think they got a lot of applause for at least trying and trying this proactivity. Um, so I think, but I think we've seen from, at least in game one, um, Rayoma did have like a 2-0 start, but I think that really came down to uh, Jizuke like overextending and uh, just kind of the team collapsing around them. But past that, I think both in the Oriana game and the Azir game, he really didn't necessarily show anything to make him, to make anyone think that, you know, like he's necessarily a better uh, option uh, over like DeMonte in the mid lane for the team as a whole. I yes. think we kind of, uh, I think we get it all kind of agreed that 100 thieves um like like it's not a mid lane problem of why they're kind of maybe like blundering as a team right i think it's more of like a team problem obviously right i don't think uh subbing out their mid laner has really you know solved anything i think you know this is you know what are their like worser weeks um this uh split um and i'd also like to point out like demonte really like isn't like like they've been winning with demonte right um the last game that they had with Demonte obviously wasn't great. The Azir game against Perks where he got solo killed. But, um, you know, by the end of that week, that, that week was still a 2-1 week, even, you know, after losing to Cloud9. Um, but looking forward into, like, the spring split or the spring uh, playoffs, I mean, um, I think they really need to try to return to that proactivity. I think they've kind of slowed down That's... that proactivity and they're playing a little slower. I just want to. Um, I just want to. I think we got the gist of it. I just want to make sure that we we get into the the answer now. Yeah. Spires, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh okay. yeah. I was gonna say I have a ton of opinions on. Yeah, this, I but... mean, really quickly, Mark. Since we're on the hundred T topic, assuming we didn't pull another caller for it, I just wanted to ask you, how vindicated are you feeling about your closer, uh, ranking that you got a ton of shit for previously? 
Honestly, like not a ton because my closer ranking was about the first nine games. And like whether you, you can agree with me or not, these games don't prove anything about that. Um, so I wouldn't say like I'm celebrating there when he ults Mundo and they don't kill him or like when he Lilia sleeps and then recalls. Like it doesn't have any bearing on what, what I said. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, back. Okay, so into into the actual call, which is – and I should say, by the way, too – Twitch chat w had was so torn on this. They all had immediate reactions, and half of them were like, "Hang up, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about." The other half <laughs> were like, "Yes, this is exactly the what needs to be." I want to I want to hear Emily's take. I feel like I end up talking because I I had that power rank. I feel like I've talked about Hundred Thieves so much that like I want to hear other people talk about. It. So uh, I have a lot of opinions on this. The first one though that I'm going to start with is something I actually brought up on broadcast, and it's that. Uh, I talked about this not on desk, and then I brought it somewhat onto desk uh, on yesterday. Wow, I have no concept of time. Um, and it's that when you have a team that you feel like has a really definitive play style, which I think 100 Thieves had a really specific way that they wanted to play. Uh, initially, that was around a lot of those early dives, whether they were, they were successful or not, that was around trying to go to side lanes while closer farmed. Um, and if you have that and you feel like you are very good for that and a meta shift happens, I feel like most NA teams are going to go with option A, which is stick to whatever the champion pool is that you think is going to be with mid laner. So if it's Azir, Oriana, Syndra, whatever, you have your mid laner play those um, regardless of how it fits into like your, your current style. Um, or you can do what a lot of LPL and LCK teams do, and you just double down on your style. But instead of, um, so instead of looking at what everyone else is playing or expected to play, you go and you're like, okay, so if we can't play uh, TF, uh, Galio, and Rise, let's look at mid lane rumble mid lane cled i'm just looking at doing these match history honestly, right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but mid lane like, renekton yeah exactly mid lane nocturne um and, and like you guys probably think i'm joking but i'm not actually like i i feel like there's a lot of value if you really want to double down on your own play, play style in saying okay we're in a new meta now we have these champions in mid lane what can our mid laner do that still suits our playstyle. that still suits what he wants to play, that will allow us to continue to do some of these early aggressive dives to unlock who he, so he can either come up and reset the mid wave or make a play mid, um, et cetera, right? I feel like a lot of North American teams don't do this. I feel like generally a lot of teams are more going to look at whatever the meta picks are and go to that. And I don't think that's wrong. Um, regarding having a rotating roster, I actually think it's quite difficult. I think it's more difficult than people give it credit for, not because there isn't value in having a player play a bunch of specific champions really good and have it or well, and have another player who plays a different batch of champions really well and then swapping them in and out. But it requires a lot of finesse to do that. Um, and I think even the best team that I can think of that, that was able to do it was probably 2000. 18 RNG and we all know how they kind of ended up at Worlds which you know I don't, I don't think it's necessarily related to the rotating roster but like I do think you you do tend to end up with a specific set of people that are going to end up playing 
uh, more than another. And then you have to balance the fact that everyone wants to play. And I don't think it's wrong that everyone wants to play, right? Um, so I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying. I'm not on 100 Thieves' coaching staff, so I don't know what is going on internally. Um, I appreciate them like sticking by their decision to put Ryoma in because I feel like that would be really unfair to him. Um, if, if they weren't so clear about like, hey, at the beginning of the season, we said this could be an open spot and now we're starting him because he's done really well. And I also don't think the losses are can be placed on his shoulders either. I do think if you look at their game three draft, um, it was a lot more well-suited to what they did uh, better in the beginning of the split, right? And they were obviously, in my opinion, looked a lot more comfortable with it. So I don't think that's a coincidence either. I think... Um... One thing I, I see a lot of people talking about too, with like the whole "oh, your your play style should be this" kind of way, uh, that I will defend coaching staffs a little bit about because I, I feel like a lot of times people just uh, default to blaming the coaching staff, and this is an instance where we don't know what they were doing in scrims in the le mm -hmm. weeks leading up to to the benching. So like, it didn't make its way to stage, but there's a hundred percent a possibility that they they said, okay, well let's try the rumble mid and the cled mm -hmm. and the renekton. And like, who knows? Maybe Demonte Turbo went it, <laughs> and it's yep. like, okay, we can't we do that. Know. Yeah. So like, that is one of the the difficulties that comes with analyzing a team because I absolutely agree with Emily that I would have rather have seen them keep trying these these picks that we didn't see on stage. So we don't we don't think they really gave it a go. It felt like Demonte just started playing control mages, and then they they swapped him out and went for someone else who's probably a little bit better of a of a control mage player, but like didn't address the rest of the things that were going wrong. Uh, with their team. I felt like their drafts this weekend did try to address some of that. They moved closer off Olaf. I mean, part of his bans. I mean, Olaf mm -hmm. is, is kind of risen into permaban priority, but he's at least playing Skarner. He played a Hecarim game. He played a, a, a Lilia game, which is like higher playmaking generally than Olaf and Talia. So like overall, I like the ideas of what the team's trying to do, but it, it definitely feels like they're trying to find a new identity in the middle of the split that is not at all aligned with what you know you were talking about them doing at the start and like i think in a way i could almost see it working if i'm being honest like okay someday has played a lot of tanks in weak side over his career he's actually quite good at it and fbi is a monster team fighter so and and they're great at lane so like what if this team just slowed down went the other direction said fuck it like they put ryoma in they play controlling early games and scaling you know like could that work Maybe. I don't know. It just feels weird to do it in the middle of the split, I think, is, is where I land on it, especially without seeing them, or at least not having any evidence of them going into that doubling down into their play style that would have set them apart in NA. Because TSM has shown, like, hey, we can do the we can do the scaling game plan, baby. Give, give POE a zero victor. We're going to win a lot of games. And, like, I'm not convinced that 100 Thieves can, can do that better than, than TSM can. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, what do you what do you think of this this take, caller, or what do you think of these these answers, caller? Uh, yeah, I can agree with Mark. I think, like, I think yeah, they could kind of go in with like the you know slow down, but I just I don't think a hundred thieves can match like a, a team liquid that plays that same kind of mm -hmm. uh, play style or like like a, like a TSM or Cloud Nine. So like, I think it's definitely possible, and maybe they can knock out. You know, like an evil geniuses, or maybe they can knock out like a like a dignitas playing that way. But if they want to contend with like these top tier teams, um, I I don't see trying to like match them at what they're doing um, working. Good. Hey, Spires, uh, anything you want to say before we move on to the next caller? Uh, yeah, I just want to say uh, shout out to Alienware, and uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on.
off to the next caller. Some more shout-outs to some subs. Uh, Absolute Darkness, Burt Lips, Yeshua705. I don't know if I got these. Uh, Yuma Street, Juicy Jollins, The Noblet, uh, Jobadiah gifted a sub. Uh, okay, and then Spencer1292, Danny Grimm with the 18 months, The White Knight for Hire, PD Null, Zeps9565. Thanks, everyone, for uh, for subscribing. That's always nice of you. All right. Looks like our next caller is here. Summoner6 is here. Summoner6, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Bellevue, Washington. Bellevue, Washington. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so my take tonight is that Huni is actually underrated as a top laner, and it was kind of largely glossed over that the counterparts who TSM could have picked up in Licorice and Impact aren't performing as well as Huni has been so far. Huni is so sorry. You're saying when when Huni was signed, when Huni was signed, a lot of people were critical of the Huni signing, and they said yeah. like, why not uh, get Licorice? Why not get Hanser? Why not get uh, Impact? And mm -hmm. now that we're actually in the split, Huni is comparing. Where, where are the Huni haters now? Yeah. Why so yeah. silent, Hooney critics? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. I mean, there were so many people that were like, why didn't TSM get this player? Why didn't TSM get this player? And Jack had no problem at the time reminding everyone that uh, they could have had Licorice, uh, which I thought was very funny. Um, interesting. Okay, so Emily, let's let's go with you first. You know, is it true that Hooney has worked out completely fine and that better pickup than Licorice or Hanser? So the thing I think with Huni that I kind of addressed earlier, right, when I was talking about TSM and Sword Art, is that he is the type of player who is always going to look better on a team that has strengthened their communication. So if a team is not communicating well, I don't think Huni is going to look particularly well because he'll end up overextending in lane. Um, he'll end up trying to force plays, like force TP's bot side to try to help his bot lane um, when he might not need to. Uh, these are all things that we've seen happen to him, like not just anytime recently, but throughout his entire career. Um, and, and I actually think like Huni has remained a very similar, like I know how people are like, oh, Huni is a coin flip player and, you know, uh, a lot of, things where you either get good Huni or bad Huni, but I actually think they're the same Huni. And a lot of it just depends on A, what the top lane champ pool is at the time that's currently in meta, B, how well he's communicating with his team. Because someone like Huni, who's just really, really willing to like overextend like a boss, um, and, and then also uh, in that try to go either like, he used to go mid a lot more than I think he does now, but or try to TP bot side to get bot side advantages. Um, like he used to be really, I actually think this is something he's improved on. Um, he used to be really, really itchy with teleport finger. Um, now I think he's actually a little bit more patient and calm about it. But a lot of that stuff, like uh, I think some of his laning things are never going to go away, but a lot of that stuff is also team dependent, right? So like, is your team telling you where the enemy jungler is or are you constantly communicating that are you constantly communicating the state of mid wave or where your, your own jungler is that kind of thing um and i think huni is always going to look better on a team that is communicating better and 
lo and behold, all TSM players have been talking about is how much their communication has improved. And even in their most recent game, uh, you know, they cited as like, well, we just kind of kept our cool and, and ended up winning. Um, so I think you, you really see Huni's strengths right now in his willingness to help the team and also in his team fighting. And I think that that's always where like Cooney is going to shine. Um, I think it's an interesting topic because I feel like EG have had a lot of struggles, a lot of them not really related to impacts level of play. Mm -hmm. And FlyQuest has been disappointing. And I I've, think I'm a little disappointed in Licorice to split. Like I didn't think that he was going to dominate just with the level of play that FlyQuest was probably going to put out there. But even then, I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little disappointed that yeah, I, he's some of the mistakes he's made. Like even I mean, this is just the most recent one because it just happened. But like that red buff Gragas attempt where he tried to kill mm -hmm. whatever guy that was, and he just like with the body slam, with the alt, and then kind of. I mean, the guy. I think the guy flashed his body slam, but still, like it was just like a play that gets him killed, and I don't know who's telling him to go for that or what. So like, I would say Licorice has been relatively disappointing. Um, Impact has been, I think, pretty good overall. Um, though EG has been a bit of a problem. It feels like but, he's playing better in a lot of ways than he did when he was on TL. I think he's, yeah, I think he's getting more done in a lot of ways. Uh, I feel like he's a little un unlocked to try and play more aggressive with a team that's just down to. But one thing I'll say for the Hooney point that will never be true with Impact is the Jace games. Even though they didn't win all of them, like, that would just never, you would never go Cinder Jace with Impact, really. I mean, I think he played played Jace, like, once a year about just to be like, hey, look, I can do it, guys. But, like, <laughs> it's, it's not, like, legitimately a thing. Um, so I do think that's a wrinkle that TSM has not even really, like, reached or had to really delve into. Yeah, I mean, it's still early on in the year, all things considered. Um, when you look at the grand scope of summer into playoff run into Worlds, that, like, there's a lot of growth still available for TSM in playstyle and stuff like that. So I could see a world where like Impact's playing really well, but he's playing what we know Impact plays. And and Hooney's like, yeah, I can play Shen like like Impact, and I can play Camille, Jace, whatever else ends up maybe being a strong top laner in the future. I think that's an extra wrinkle to hundred that that Hooney will bring to TSM. I mean, I, I think it's been really interesting to see. I, I... Somebody in the chat was like, well, the Hooney haters were the hosts of this show. I think what I said at the time was <laughs> Hooney, in a lot of ways, I felt like this Hooney thing was a much needed second chance for him, right? Like if, if he had gone to TSM and then just busted out, I think everyone would say, okay, well, he's, he's clearly not the top performing top laner uh, or, or as good of a top laner as he was a long time ago. And like his, his best days are behind him. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm happy because because I enjoy Huni a lot as a personality. I am happy that he is, uh, doing so well. What what's so funny, Mark? I'm uh, someone in Twitch chat was like, "Must have needed the second chance." In, in quotes, and like, guess I'm looking up some vods tonight. And I was I was about to say, I have no fucking clue what I said about Huni at the start of the year, man. Like, look, you tell me what I said. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean I'm down uh, to see what I said. Honestly, like. It, you and I, you and I talk so much about league across so many things. You especially with the broadcast that it's like, people will be like, "Don't you remember in 2018? Whenever you said that, like, a player like you know Hooney would never be good again. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then yes, we never know. If I, and besides, if I'm wrong, I don't really care. You know, yeah. like I'm wrong about a lot of things. I just don't remember what I said. <laughs> yeah, make sure Vasilum 
whenever you find the VOD of me saying Hooney sucks, that you stick it next to my prediction that CLG would beat Team Liquid uh, that I tweeted. All right? Sometimes I'm right. Uh, Summoner 6, what do you think of all this? We do a good job of agreeing with you, explaining why he's doing well? Uh, I mean, I, I actually prefer it when people disagree with me, but that's okay. Well, uh, <laughs> who needs sucks. That's okay. Uh, but no, no, that all makes sense. I was just looking at stats on GOL.GG, and I was recognizing that Hooney's like top three in almost every relevant stat, most of the time even ahead of Impact. And I think what Emily said is largely correct. Like, he looks good on a good team, but he also is enabling the rest of the team to also play better because I think that was like the starkest difference between lock-in and how they're performing now. Because I don't really think Power of Evil has been doing significantly better. And I think Lost is a little bit more enabled because Sword Art's actually able to communicate and practice with the team. So I just felt like the biggest difference was Hooney's now actually performing a lot better. I mean, isn't Sword Art also online? Yes, he is. I've been seeing this a lot recently. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. which I believe is an anime reference. (laughs) You would be correct. It is. Uh, thanks so much, Summer Six, for the call. Anything you want to shout out? Yeah, I just want to shout out my friend Vincent and my girlfriend Lily because they're both probably listening. And also shout out to Game Fuel. Thanks, Travis. Very good. Thank you so and much for the Mark call. And Emily. And and Mark. And I'm lucky you remembered. You wouldn't be back on if you didn't. Oh, true, 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 true. Right. I, I can't ruin my chances. Have a good one. <laughs> thanks. All right, on to the next caller. Uh, thank you to. Jay Schrode, Nishka, Bankshot, GX, Karth, and Aligabus. Aligabus? I don't know. Sometimes people have the, the most wild names. Brad Meister is here. Brad, where are you calling from? I'm calling from West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I feel like we're getting a lot of uh, East Coasters tonight. Anyway, what do you want to talk about on the show? Because we're earlier, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe. So I want to ask what you guys think is going to happen to Broxa once his contract ends with CLG later this year. Um, looking at his team history, so he went from Fnatic to Liquid to CLG. He had success with Fnatic and with Liquid, not so much with CLG. And CLG, despite winning some nice games over the weekend, have looked pretty much absolutely abysmal the entire split to the point where Twitch chat are now ironically pog champing their un- upcoming games. His situation as a pro player has gotten pretty much worse and worse over the last couple of years. So when his contract ends in November, do you think he'll get picked up by another LCS team or is this just the end of Broxa? I mean, uh, I think it's a little early to say that like he's doomed with CLG, right? Like if CLG starts doing really well, even if he's not like the most obvious contributor to that, I feel like they might, I mean, if CLG starts winning games, I feel like they should just keep that. They should just not mess with it at all and just take it. Um, I don't know, Mark? I was going to say, this is not the direction I thought this call was going to go when I saw it in the, you know, when I pulled it. It was, I forget exactly what what the caller wrote, but it was, you know, like, oh, I want to talk about and ask about Brox's situation at the end of the year. I thought it was going to be a relatively positive spin. I didn't realize that we were going to be so net. You know, like this is the the magic of of Hotline League. I have no idea. It's kind of like, it's like reaching your hand to a bag and like you kind of know what's in there. And then you get this and you're like, oh, 
because because I think Brock has actually been okay. I don't want to overstate anything. He joined the middle of the split. There were some rough games. He hasn't looked incredible, but he has not played that many games with the team yet. And his latest ones were actually not bad at all. His latest Lilia game, he he played pretty well. Uh, I I remember quite a few nice like flash Q alt Zonia engages, which is standard I would say for for Lilia. But he he did the number that really worked out well and set the team out up uh, well. Excuse me. So like. I think um, CLG was obviously a dumpster fire until Pobelter came back. Um, they were like one and eight until they got to their starting intended roster. Their starting intended roster is three and three now um, when Pobelter came back. So like, I could see a world where like, yeah, CLG doesn't go to worlds and everyone still kind of memes this team. But like, I don't think Broxa looks terrible. I would be I would be super surprised if Broxa keeps playing it the level he showed this weekend and was just like dead at the end of the year across the past. Also, Oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say like looking at uh team liquid in. So like, we're just looking at spring right now for CLG. Right. And so in order to make that a fair comparison, you have to only compare it to how well team liquid did last year under really similar circumstances, right. With him not being able to join because of visa issues, stuff like that. And TL were 7 and 11 in the spring standings, and they ended up in ninth place. Um, and he joined midseason. So I just want to put that context in here, because I, I think, yes, he had success with Team Liquid once he was able to practice with the team. But like even as late as this past week, they said that this was, like, this past week was their first really good strong week of practice with the entire team as a unit the the starting five that they want um and so i feel like that can't be understated as well because uh they have just had more time together so obviously he's going to look better uh or hopefully you hope he's going to look better the more time they play together and i would agree with that he that he has um I also agree with Mark's assessment of what he's looked like thus far. Like, I, don't, I don't think he's been bad. I don't think he's lit the world on fire either, but I also, it's also like a really awkward situation. And this is the second spring he's gone through with that. Yeah. So he's just really unlucky. Someone in Twitch chat said like the one thing we can be sure of next year is that he'll be in visa problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope not. I would know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's really unlucky because he's been flagged twice apparently for, He's a something. I don't know. I don't. I never know how that works. But I don't yeah, know if anybody I, knows how it works. I think. Um, I think if you're going to say like, oh, he hasn't had success with CLG, regardless of how you, what you think CLG is, you have to take into consideration his quote unquote success with Team Liquid in spring, which was not much. I I do think at the end of Brox's career, there's a good chance he becomes a coach, though. I could, I could definitely see that. I think he's even said before that he could see himself being a coach. Um, so I don't know if he'd be a head coach or whatever, but I could definitely see him uh, becoming a coach for a team. Bradmeister, what do you think? I definitely agree with comparing his situation with CLG to how, how long he had with Liquid. I wouldn't be surprised if Liquid do end up making playoffs next split, considering that this split is pretty much over for them. Maybe, okay, yeah, maybe I was a little too critical on him. Give him a little bit more time. Um, we'll see. I'm kind of, I've already got it in my head that CLG aren't going to have a lot of success next split. 
I I like Broxa. I I do. Uh, I'm. It's it's hard to tell. It really is. Yeah, I like him a lot too. So I hope that uh, he ends up uh, sticking around. And uh, and I do think now that they've got their full roster, that it'll be okay. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Brad, thanks so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out? Uh, no, no, that's it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Off. Mark goes to get the next caller. Oh, yeah. Off I go. That's what I just said. I am Nucleos. Thank you for the 36 months, three years. Ooh. Wow. That's so so awesome. Uh, really glad to uh, to see people hard committing to this channel. Blue Jay is here. Blue Jay, where are you calling from? I am calling from Sarnia, Ontario. Good to have you back on the show. Uh, what do you want? Oh, by the way, are you? do you have to move your podcast now that <laughs> we changed our schedule? Because I remember you did it like right before ours. Dude, we don't know what to do, man. We don't know whether we, like, if we should move ours forward, if we should try to make it after Hotline. You're putting us in a tough spot here, Mark. Yeah. I uh, I don't in, uh, even think about anything when I make decisions. <laughs> oh, I don't consider my actions at all. Don't worry about my carbon footprint. Don't, nothing. No thought. We, like, panicked to start, like, half an hour earlier tonight so that we could make Hotline League and we could watch the show. Well, my bad. Apologies. I should have given a, an earlier heads up too. Uh, regardless, we done in time. It's all good. Uh, what's your take on the show tonight? Uh, so, it, for those that don't know, last week there was some news about Schalke maybe selling their LEC slot because of their soccer slash football team not doing so well. Yeah. And so the take is that it hurts to see LCS and LEC organizations suffer from being second or third priority to their parent companies like Schalke. And like Golden Guardians, who sold their whole roster to 100T. And so my question for everyone was, I wanted to know if you guys thought that, like, is this going to be the future of esports? Are we going to continue to see stuff like this? Uh, where, like, orgs have to, like, scrape the bottom of the barrel to get budget for their for their LCS and LEC squads. And uh, maybe, like, I guess, is the onus on Riot to be more careful about who they accept into franchising? Those are, like, I got a lot of questions that I, I don't really know how to feel about this stuff. Yeah, I mean... First off, you know, I think it's important to say that there's no evidence that these NBA franchises or traditional sports franchises were like it, it mostly seems like this is a result of COVID where like a professional sports team that makes the vast majority of their money through like holding games and selling tickets and hot dogs and all that stuff uh, like you it's hard to imagine a situation that's designed better to just wreck these businesses and cause havoc on them. So yeah, I like, I tend to be less worried about that long-term. I mean, I, I think my concerns are more around, like, I don't think LEC or LCS is particularly a great moneymaker. I think a lot of them were sold. I mean, everybody, not just traditional sports uh, team owners, but also, uh, investors and all that stuff. I think they were sold on this dream that like LEC and LCS were going to become these massive cash cows and like the future of everything is esports and League of Legends and all that stuff. And like while LEC has seen viewership uptick, LCS has seen viewership downtick. Um, maybe you could maybe argue that stabilized. I know it's kind of weird when you're looking at viewing hours across like three days instead of two, but um, I don't know. I uh, I am less 
I, I, my concerns are more broad, I guess, than just the specifically the. Uh, and I'm distracted by Mark's situation. Gotta keep the viewers <laughs> entertained whenever we start talking. Big my teens my concerns are more broad than just the sports side. Interesting. You you did answer my last my last question that I was going to ask, which is like, should the orgs anticipate or did the orgs anticipate higher revenues? So. Yeah, I, think I mean, I I personally think that they probably did. It, you know, it's hard to imagine yeah. that they, the orgs were told like, ah, oh, yeah, uh, three years into franchising, there won't be a media rights deal, and viewership will look kind of. I mean, they they have more sponsors now, but like, I'd be really surprised if any of these orgs were like actually really happy with the state of things or their investors. Uh, you know, any of that stuff. Yeah, and, and to be fair, it's not all of the orgs, right? Like. There's no issue for TSM getting the money they need to sign a player or for Cloud9 or Team Liquid, right? So it's like, it's not like that with every org, but it does suck to see like, oh, you know, our soccer team sucks right now, so we're selling our spot. And it's like, well, that, that just feels really bad. And I know like, obviously I'm from Toronto. I know like for those that don't know, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, they own the Toronto Raptors. And if the Raptors ever need budget to go spend for a big player, they can do it no problem. But like... It feels like these basketball orgs or soccer orgs that own these LCS or LEC teams don't exactly feel the same way, you know? Yeah, just a quick, couple quick things. So, one, I don't know if TSM is still – like, people in chat are saying TSM is profitable. I don't know if they still are, given, like, the dramatic increase in their spending that they had this past year. Um, I had another thing that I was going to say, and my brain is now uh, freezing or locking up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really difficult. Um, and, and, oh, I know what I was going to say. The other thing is like, people, you mentioned like, oh, it's not an issue for all the orgs. Like TSM is in an okay place. Andy in that big post he made around the franchising stuff was the one who po who basically implied viewership needs to go up or we can't keep spending at this level. Whenever he talked about how viewership has gone down and how teams are investing based off the idea that this is going to be like a really big league and all that stuff. So, you know, if you read between the lines on some of the stuff, I do think there are longer there are concerns about the health of this thing longer term. Um my two useless cents was Optic a NBA backed org. I know they had someone back, like Infinity was backing Optic, but I don't remember what Infinity, Infinity was like. This, yeah, there was uh, Optic was funded by. Um, it was kind of like Echo Fox, one of these like, we're gonna invest a bajillion dollars into esports and we're gonna create a media arm and like an agency and a merchandise thing and a, it was like kind of like a bad version of the Hundred T model. Um, so <laughs> Optic was very clearly yeah. People saying it was baseball, Texas Rangers. Um, well, I was going to say that like a couple of the orgs feel like they already kind of had that moment of like, wait, this isn't what we thought we signed up for. Like clutch just was like, all right. Yeah. Clutch, all... clutch was like, <laughs> we're so excited to be creating a, a union with this Dignitas and the 76ers. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, cl yeah. Clutch was like with, uh, you know, like Daryl Morey was there. I was like, holy shit. Daryl Morey's at scouting grounds. And I think very quickly. <laughs> They were like, what the fuck am I doing with my time? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I think you know, Daryl like, Morey still believes in esports and still found it really interesting. Notable that, again, the Rockets left and then Daryl Morey isn't even at the Rockets anymore. Although now I think he's at the 76ers, isn't he? I actually have no idea. 
but as as a whole, it was just really funny to see that that clutch kind of kind of got out of. Oh, there. he is there, so that's funny. He ended up in the same. He cares about this shit so much that he, he did signed, it all for he League followed. of Legends. Yeah. All right, you know <laughs> what, Daryl Morey? I'm sorry, I, I slandered you there. That's some bullshit. He on my left end. the Rockets. He's so committed to League that when Rockets didn't want to <laughs> back Clutch Gaming, he said, "Fuck you guys." And he <laughs> sold it to the new team that he was going to. Yeah, I don't know that if any is commitment. I don't think any of that's what I just said was right, but whatever. Um, anyway, so to 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 Blue's point, it is uh, it is a little weird, or not weird, but just like you want to see the orgs be a hundred percent like about themselves uh, and not like you're saying playing second fiddle to some other ecosystem kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't think that's just realistically how the the league scene is anymore. Like axiomatic, TSM's got I forget who the fuck invested in them. Everyone's got investors now. It's just different yeah to, to be clear i don't blame these organizations it just feels bad and i don't know if that's something that we should expect in the future or not and, and on another note i was wondering emily if you knew that this is something that happens in the lpl or not um i mean the lpl is something that you really it's a league that you really can't compare to other leagues uh because okay. their franchising has been from what I know, uh, quite successful, but the problem is that you just can't compare the fan bases because over in LPL, when League of Legends started, Tencent is basically distributing League of Legends through your QQ account. So you don't need to like, like basically in order to play League of Legends, Kelsey has talked about this on her stream too, by the way. Um, you, in order to play League of Legends, you don't like need to get your parents' permission like you do a lot of games because you need to like type in your uh, your like country number or whatever. Um, you can just play it, and it was advertised like that. So like it came at a time where streaming was really booming in China, um, and then you have this game that's free to play. That you can easily play with your friends and you can like pretend like you're doing homework basically and just play <laughs> league of legends you know um and so like it's it, it really exploded in popularity which is why they have so many servers um so like you just with a player base the population size of china like you cannot compare it to anything else there's just so much like even if it's the same percentage of people percentage of the raw population playing league which uh like even if it's exactly the same percentage the number is just going to be the raw number of people that you're marketing to is just going to be like so much larger yeah. um and so you also have to know that um there have been some rumblings of teams changing hands uh and that has happened since franchising started um they've either rebranded or they've changed ownership and stuff like that but there don't seem to be, there does not seem to be a lack of people willing to get into the LPL. And additionally, despite the fact that from what I know, the LPL is quite profitable, there's also the fact that some of these uh, companies aren't really like expecting a huge ROI. Like, uh, you know, Invictus Gaming is Wang Chong's like pet project you know like if you have that much money like he just has a team because why not he likes streaming league of legends he likes playing he even played one split jackie love played his support uh against vici gaming and they still won and that was here they ended up winning worlds uh so so like when you have a couple of owners like that who just like i'm not saying roi doesn't matter to them but it's a lot less 
of a thing where your investors are suddenly knocking on your door being like, well, it's been a few years. Like, how's that esports thing going? Uh, it's a lot less pressure too, right? So I'm not saying that orgs don't pull out of the LPL, but that there, there just doesn't seem to be the same um, kind of, I don't know, panic isn't the right word because I don't think pressure? it's panic, but like there's no, yeah, there's not as much pressure to make your money back with certain with certain organizations. Um, and then with others, there have been things that have changed, but they haven't seemed to have, have an issue finding someone else to step in. So uh, I, I think like, I think the LPL is good to compare to for a lot of reasons, but I think in this case, you can't draw one-to-one -one comparison with NALCS because the player base and the fan base is just so different. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Blue Jay, I don't know if you have any other follow-up questions, but no, I, I've been on for quite a while, and there's three other callers, I think, so we could wrap up. Okay, very good. Uh, well, thank you so much for the call. Uh, I do think it's an interesting topic, and I honestly, I do imagine we're going to be talking more about viewership and investors and all that stuff over the next. All the stuff couple... Travis loves. Well, yeah, yeah I, I knew do, Travis I would like this kind of take. I, you usually like the off the rift kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's Mark and I, that's our, our dynamic duo for the show, right? As I tend to talk about the stuff outside of the game because I'm an idiot when it comes to the stuff inside of the game. <laughs> and, and Mark, he's an idiot about everything that isn't League of Legends inside the game. So Nice. <laughs> Blue Jay, any shout-outs, plugs? Uh, just a uh, shout-out to Game Fuel. I'll crack a certain Mountain Dew product right now. And uh... Nice. Congrats on that. We don't need to specify the Mountain Dew product at all. And uh, yeah. We can Thanks. go next. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they don't have it in Canada and you're Canadian. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate I that you're Mountain drinking... Dew, the different one. <laughs> I, yeah, I appreciate that you're drinking a, a Mountain Dew product in, that's available in your country, even if, if Game Fuel is not. Thank you so a much, A real Barry. fan would find a way to import it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, like $150 for shipping? Nah, I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, Amazon has some weird <laughs> option where you can... I think they have some service that'll pay you a ton to, to, to do it. Either way, thank you so much, Blue Jay. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah. Goodbye. See you. Well, that's a good jumping off point for our Game Fuel break. Uh, shout out to Game Fuel. We love Game Fuel so much. Um, I, I, so one thing that's interesting that I found out this past week is that, and I saw it on their Twitter, actually, um, when they tweeted this weekend, Mountain Dew Game Fuel currently sold out on GameField.com. I like to think it's all you. Uh, you know, they support, they, they sponsor other people like Courage. I like to pretend that it's uh, not any of those folks that are selling out their website that's actually you all. So right now I'll do exclamation, exclamation mark game fuel in the Twitch chat. You'll see there a Amazon link. So obvi I, obviously I prefer if people buy it off gamefuel.com. I think it's actually sometimes uh, better for, for all of you too, because especially while they have this free shipping promo going. Um, you can, uh, you can get their, their battle pass, uh, which is the, vic the vic victory pass going. Um, and that's kind of a cool way to, to keep, uh, leveling up your account on the game field website. But while they are sold out, uh, Mark currently unboxing game field zero, uh, while they are sold out, um, you should, you can definitely use that Amazon link. And if you use that Amazon link, which is also in the YouTube description, if you're watching this as a VOD on YouTube, uh, I do, I am, it's a referral link that I'm able to track. So I can then report those numbers to game field. So look, 
If you want to wait, feel free to wait. But if you need Game Fuel now, because I know some of you have really gotten in on it, uh, be sure to use that Amazon link uh, because it does help me. Uh, again, exclamation, exclamation mark Game Fuel in the, the chat. And thank you so much, Game Fuel, for sponsoring the show. Really appreciate it. And um, did did you see that giant box of game fuel I still have? I did. I trolled you so hard, dude. I was like, I'm I'm running out of game fuel because I thought all the game fuel in my fridge was all I had. Turns out I had two more boxes in my closet. Wait, how did you not know that you had? Because I gave you so many boxes. Out of sight, out of mind, dude. I was like, I I got through at least a box. I was going to be shocked. I was. I, I think when he... you were like, I'm out of it. I was like. How much is he drinking? Like, clearly Mark really enjoys game fuel because we <laughs> gave him so many cases of this stuff. I thought maybe Ashley had started oh drinking it or something. I'm like a, I'm like a baby. I don't have object permanence, you know. Like, well, all the ones in the fridge are gone. I must yeah. be out of game fuel. Is uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, did the new box show up? Because I know they sent you another shipment. No, they, so the other ones haven't showed up yet. So I was like, oh, I was gonna grab a game fuel for this segment, and then yeah. I forgot. I was like, oh, shit, I'm out of game fuel. And then Ashley was like, no, you're not. They're like boxes up there. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Thank, thank God for Ashley. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, shout out to game fuel. Thanks so much. Uh, <laughs> somebody in Twitch chat says, I was gold two before game fuel. Now I'm diamond one. <laughs> Drink game nice. fuel. Nice. Uh, all right, Mark is grabbing the next caller. I am Nucleos. Thank you for the 36 months. Uh, three years. Jordan. I, I think I might have showed you up, but just in case. Jordan, thank you for the 37. Modi's for the Prime. Uh, Horny Jail for Kaisa. Thank you for the four months. Can't Win Krillin, thank you for the Prime. And Raging Pianist, thank you for the 21 months. I love some of your, your ideas. Uh, <laughs> I'm Moyo is here. I'm Moyo. Welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? Moyo? Oh, I wonder if it did the thing where when I pull them in here, sometimes it breaks. You want to go see it, pull them into a different chat or whatever? Okay. Hmm. We're, lo we're looking on the the random Discord problems. A, a scam train has started. Thank you, uh, Dior Homie, for the Prime and Rune Caden for gifting the community sub. We're going to see if uh, we can keep the scam train going. Take two, take two on I'm Moyo. Yeah, hello. Hi, Moyo. Where are you calling yeah, from? Yeah, hello. Uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Providence, Rhode yes. Island. One of, one of my yeah. first my first esports event I ever worked was MLG Providence, Rhode Island. What do you uh, mm -hmm. What do you want to talk about in the show? I want to talk about the fact that I think Dig have um, top five ish solo laners, um, and I think they're overall uh, really. Uh, misunderstood and misappreciated in terms of like the individual skill that they have on their team and how that makes them pretty unique relative to previous like full domestic teams that really didn't have that pound for pound carry potential and relied more on just uh, macro or cheese or specific meta reads. <laughs> All right, I have to acknowledge Twitch chat right now because I didn't realize this when I was talking about in the uh, like you know test room, but like my God, you you sound like if Cutie Pie kind of like buttoned up, you know, because yeah. he has like a very <laughs> certain kind of like vernacular that he uses, but you you sound a little like him if he like I don't know had had to like give a presentation to Congress or something a little bit. Yeah, you, know? you could definitely do that. Um, yeah, I called in here before once, like a couple of years ago, and well, they people made like a similar observation. Yeah. <laughs> 
People nice. made a similar observation. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, so why don't you elaborate a little bit on on what you mean by like you were saying? You know, just all these their solo laners are are really good. Um, basically, Saligo actually has like top three, top four ish laning stats, top four ish like DPM numbers uh fake gods like in a similar boat and just like in the games like if you watch them like Saligo's played Jazuke twice hasn't gotten outperformed by him in either game he's played poe twice hasn't gotten outperformed by him in either game and it's like when you're talking about who's actually gapped Saligo, it's like oh he got gapped by perks and uh he got gapped by jensen and it's like everyone else it's like he's mostly performed equal to them or outperformed them and it's like, it's getting to a similar, like Fake God was shakier at the start of the split, but it's been like for a while now that it, it's like, like he just went head to head with Impact, who I think is like consensus top three. And it's like, he won player of the week. He had a massive performance. So it's like, I don't really know at what point you're like, you can really keep saying, oh, well, it's like a fluke. It's like team play. It's like, he solo killed Impact. Like, like how can you just deny like, Fact, oh no, they're actually playing like mechanically well. They're playing these team fights well. They're taking team fights from terrible situations and they're still performing well. It's like they have like one of the highest combined kills per minute in the league and the, they're tied for the second highest uh, team KDA in the league with Team Liquid only behind C9. So it's like they're playing a super fast paced style. They're fighting literally everything they see. A ton of them are awful, like especially early game. They're just going on everything, losing every single time. And they're still managing to scale throughout the game and win mid and late game team fights, even against a team like uh, TSM. Like, how are you going to be like, oh, these guys all suck mechanically, but somehow down 7K gold, they're taking a fight in jungle and just wiping TSM. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I feel like the narrative should be like, these are really good mechanical players. These are guys that really know how to team fight. And the actual room for growth is macro and game understanding and knowing how to play around things besides uh, Afro and Dardock, just hard calling everything they engage because they look pretty bad when Fake God's the one initiating it, when Saligo's the one initiating it. Like those are like their main problems, is like objective setups and not being super reliant on the two veterans on the team to actually call when they're fighting. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Mark. Can you say Chapanya for Twitch chat? Uh, Chapanya. Um, I, I'm going to throw it over. Oh, to sorry. It, I, I, I realize what the problem with my mic is. Chapanya, sorry. No, no, you're, you're good. You're good. Uh, <laughs> I just... I'm going to throw it to Emily first because Mark is very distracted by this. Um... <laughs> I mean, I said that I said this at the beginning when I was talking about how much I like Dig. Um, one thing I think that needs to be considered when gauging the strength of their soul linears is I think, like I said previously, they've kind of leveraged uh, Dardoch's champ pool and champion select to make sure that um, Sligo and Fake God get champions that they're really comfortable with. Uh, that's not a criticism, by the way. I, I think it's actually a really good move because it basically sets them up on something that they're really comfortable with from the get-go. So, like, for example, um, for those that didn't follow, follow Sligo previously uh, in Academy, he is an insane Azir player, actually. Um, and then also he's an insane Zoe player. Um, Fake God is very obviously incredibly comfortable on things like Renekton and Narc. 
So I think they're doing a really good job of making sure that their solo laners have champions that they're really comfortable with. Uh, if there's anything that I think sometimes people underestimate, it's that um, champion choice matters a lot for younger players. Uh, because if you're trying to execute something that's like really difficult, uh, typically players, um, it just requires like a lot more, uh, it, it puts a lot more stress on the players themselves, right? And Dignitas is not doing that. They're actually taking stress away and they're like, okay, we're gonna put you on stuff that you guys are obviously really comfortable on and then we're just gonna team fight constantly. Um, I agree with your assessment that, <laughs> Uh, you know, the, it's the, the team fight micro is good. They have the hands uh, and it's their macro they need to work on. They themselves have said this before. So I'm not really sure what, uh, I, I don't like read Reddit uh, all that often because I'm really fragile mentally. And so I don't want to see terrible comments about myself. Um, so that's why I avoid it completely. But I don't know if this is a narrative that's going on because I've brought up the fact that Dignitas are really good at team fighting, but their mid-game macro needs a lot of work, and they themselves have also brought it up. So my question back to you would be, where is this narrative coming from? Because I actually think your assessment of Dignitas is like pretty spot on. Um, just like almost everyone, like when you see like LS, Dom, Reddit, like almost everyone, it makes it seem like their players aren't actually good enough. When it's like, I just don't know how you can watch the way games are playing out and be like, oh, their players aren't skilled enough to this. Like, no, they like they make terrible decisions like within the game, but it's like, it's clear like every time they interact with enemy champions, like all these guys are mechanically good enough to go head to head with pretty much anyone, maybe short of like TL and C9, which are the two teams that I don't think they've beaten yet, so. I think, yeah. um, I mean, I'm probably a little bit more negative on their individual skill. Like, I, I actually think they're they're good. Like, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, these guys are trash or anything like that. I think um, the top of the top, cream of the crop kind of guys, especially top lane, I feel like there's a deeper pool. Like, uh, mid lane, yeah. there's, there's a lot of players in mid lane who are kind of NA players getting a shot. Insanity, um, Sligo himself, Ablaze Olive, Palafox. Like, and I would say each of those guys has had moments where they look good um sligo included as well um i think pope has just started playing again so it's a little hard to rank him but you know they, i would say most of those guys are better than rjs and and uh even demonte really was struggling so like you know i i think you know sligo top five is something you could argue fake god i have a little bit hard time arguing it i think in terms of performance maybe maybe you can make that point but like between uh alfari huni impact and someday i'm starting to get pretty squeezed to fit fake god into top five but you know like at this point in the conversation we're like you know i'm struggling to, to to argue that you're wrong you know it's not like what are you talking about these guys suck how could you say that you know like which is still a lot better than it was at the top start of the year um and you know i don't think that they've hit their ceiling in any way like i don't think this is the the end all be all so like i think uh it's something where the strengths of this team are not like they're laning anyways. So like a lot of people would traditionally look at some of fake gods laning numbers and be like, yeah, well, okay, he's, he's not that great. Even then, I think he's actually pretty average at CSD at 15. Yeah. He's negative. I was going to actually say he's like fifth in uh gold difference at 10 and he's number one in experience difference at 10. Yeah. And he's got a pretty good 4%, uh, low jungle or middle jungle proximity. I'm just quick clicking through stats pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's something where 
I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think people are pretty slow to update their opinions on people sometimes, uh, especially with like perceived skill level with what's happening in the games. Like I'm not saying you have to put fake God top five even necessarily, but like you have to acknowledge what's happening to your point, you know, like he's not dying. He's not getting crapped on. There was that someday game like a week and a half ago that a lot of people probably remember where someday kind of got a massive CS lead on him. Um, but like, he's also had really good games, like his NAR games and like his playmaking and stuff for fake God. So like, I, I'm ultimately with you. Like, I don't know if, if, you know, I was doing a, a skill power ranking, I'd, I'd put fake God number five, but like, damn, if he's not putting up numbers, <laughs> you know, how, I think how, it's also... oh, go ahead, Emily. I was just going to ask you, <clears throat> How about you? Because I know the the take was that they they're both top five. Em Emily. Oh, I, I wasn't going to talk about a ranking. I was just going to say because um, actually I said this on broadcast when I had to do a top lane ranking. I think it's really weird to do a top lane ranking if you can't see pro view for laning because more than any other position, I think top lane because it's a long lane requires really really strong laning. Um, but. The, the other thing is why I think a lot of people, I guess, quote unquote, undervalue Dignitas or undervalue their players, probably because a lot of times it's really easy to see opponents' mistakes. Like, for example, all of EG funneling into a choke point and just kind of allowing, uh, you know, Dig to continuously win these team fights. Um, so uh, I, can, I guess I can see where people are coming from from that. But like, even in a single game format, um, I think what has to be recognized is that Dignitas is doing a really good job of making sure that their solo laners are comfortable, which can't really be underestimated, even if they do like have a really shaky early to mid game. And I think, um, you know, it's kind of like a lot of technology stuff or even just any kind of acceptance based thing. You know, there's like the early adopters, there's the people who get on at the height of like the, the acceptance and there's the late adopters and all that stuff you know like i think a lot, you'll see a lot more people coming around if dig has a good playoffs not even a great playoffs like they can lose first round to tl beat i don't know eg and lo losers or whatever and and or what, what who knows what, what the playoff picture is going to be but like i think that would go a long way to to kind of getting more people on board with dignitas is to, to sh not let the best of one excuse happen not let the oh the league yeah. sucks kind of excuse happen because right now it's really easy to write them off um and i don't even necessarily write off cynics like i'm i'm a bit of a cynic so like you know i don't blame people for being like well i'll believe dignitas when they actually do something impressive because for a lot of people regular season is almost a write-off or play the best of because i mean right. all the things i said about their drafting i feel like they haven't really been like incisively challenged in draft you know like no one's really been like okay we're gonna target these specific things which is kind of why their solo leaders have been allowed to be comfortable so that's going to be a big challenge for this team actually in my opinion is going to be going through a best of five um and how they draft and how they adjust to what their opponents are doing yeah yeah moyo thank you so much for the call anything you want to shout out before we move on to the next caller no nothing thanks thank you so much for the call and uh hopefully hopefully twitch chat and mark were not too much of a distraction for you no i had chat closed <laughs> thanks have a good one all right you too all right um it is very funny uh all right mark is headed off to get the next caller 
I'm Elvis for thank you for the 34 months. I'm just here for Emily appreciation is the comment. Smoke dog oh, tw- 23 months coming up on one year. Thank you smoke dog. B crow twitch for six months. Half a year. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, all right. Mark should be here in just a second. Ovly showing up in the chat to say Emily and spam a bunch of uh, emotes. <clears throat> Hannah is here. Hannah, where are you calling from? Hi, I'm I'm from uh, Baltimore, Maryland. From Maryland? Yeah, Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay, what do you want to talk about on the show? Yeah, I think that uh, Coach uh, Danny is ruining T1. Yeah, they need to start Faker and, and Cuz. We don't normally do non-LCS takes too much, but I feel like having Emily here. <laughs> because Emily is here, and it was Reddit drama. Like, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah there's um, there's a lot about this. Could have had LS. Um, all right, yeah. so. No, LS can't talk about it. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like he yeah, would be. Uh... That was the worst person. Dude, yeah. that. That, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not the sure. worst person, but like as a member of T1, I feel like he probably yeah. want to comment on it. The the uh, faker thread that was on the subreddit. I don't know if either of you saw that, uh, Emily. I know you I said did. You don't, you I, don't go. I just yeah, I don't go to the subreddit. But so. uh, there was a big one where it was like, "Is faker leaving SKT?" And I think it was like a, either a translation or like a paraphrase of all this investigation that like faker fans have done, where they're like, "Faker." Normally, he isn't screaming or isn't doing solo queue during SKT matches, but we found that he was doing uh, solo queue. And then also, uh, at one point in time during one of their matches, a fan said that they saw him at a bus stop, and the bus line goes in front of his father's apartment. And so clearly, he was like visiting his father during this game. I'm just like, oh my God, this is, uh, I'm borderline yeah. uncomfortable with this. Um, I mean, I. <laughs> I mean, I read FMK, which is like a pretty large Korean forum, and they're they know starting lineups where they're announced. There's a lot of investigation going down, and people are like really, really upset that you know Closer is consistently playing very poorly, or not very poorly, but he's not playing as well. And the team looks super, super lost. And Coach Coach Yang or Coach Dan, or Danny, he's like very insistent that oh, we must play the rookies, we must develop them, but like. Closing developing. He doesn't look any better than he did last year. You know, he's still bad. I mean, he's not bad, but he's still, you know, just as flawed as he is. And he, he got destroyed by Showmaker. Hannah, we're having a little bit of uh, feedback or echoes on your mic, so I'm going to uh, we're, we're gonna take a break from, from talking with you. I'm going to throw this over to Emily. Mm-hmm. Emily, uh, and then maybe you can mute, too, just to make sure we don't get the feedback. Uh, Emily. Mm-hmm. What's your assessment of the whole Faker I mean, situation? So this is what I mean when it's really difficult to run a 10-man lineup. Um, and again, I think there are only a few teams that have been particularly successful with one. Uh, and it typically comes from having one player who has a very specific champion pool and then leveraging that against another player who has a very different champion pool and different style. Um, and so I think that's where you could see, like, for example, 
I'm going to use RNG as an example, uh, and not even Karsa and MLXG, but I think the styles and champ pools and the way that they treated Zatai and Let Me were very different. And so you could see why, theoretically, they would be like, we're going to play Let Me in this game where we want a weak side top, who's going to be more of like team fighter leader, or we're just going to play Zatai because Zatai can literally play anything and he can just destroy this lane. Um, and that requires a different attitude towards what you're going to be doing in that game. You kind of have to reset the entire team and, and have a different mindset going in, in terms of how you're going to play and how you're going to coordinate. Um, so just from that baseline level, I think it's very difficult. And then you add the fact that, again, everyone wants to be playing, um, which I don't think is wrong. You know, if I'm on a team, I want to be starting and I want to be able to prove that I can start consistently. Um, and so in order to do this, you need to have a very set expectation of what you want to do. Now with Faker, the weird thing about subbing him out is that I do not believe him to have champion pool issues. And if anything, if you look at their drafting last year, when they were also subbing him out, they basically gave him a lot more complicated champions to play, um, not because he couldn't play the easy ones where they were giving counter picks for closer, but because they needed to rely on him more um, and kind of depend on him more because he is a better player, right? And so then you run into a lot of like, why are you having Faker play Galio? Why are you not giving him the counter pick and just having him take over the game, right? So I think it's really difficult with a player like Faker where he hasn't proven that he can't play anything. Um, and so that's always difficult if you're, if you're still saying, okay, we're going to sub this player out who is the best player to ever play the game historically um, and uh, and still can play most everything at a pretty high level. Um, so that's really difficult. I'm not going to pretend to know what goes on in T1. I'm not going to sit here and like rip them apart. But I do think, A, rotating roster is very difficult to have. B, if it's not working out, you maybe don't want to double down on it because it doesn't and again, this is from a very outside perspective, but it doesn't seem like the players are happy. They've spoken out about it in interviews where they've said, we don't like the rotating roster. And that that already, the fact that they are even willing to speak out against it in interviews says a lot. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that's that's where I'm at with T1. I don't think like, uh, I, I don't want to come out and say like Denny and Zephyr are ruining T1 because I think People had the same opinions of Coach Kim last year because he subbed out Faker for closer as well. Um, and I have no idea about the investigation of Faker leaving T1 or whatever. But in terms of having a rotating roster, there are so many things you have to have in place and so many, like, it's just, it's really, really difficult. And if it's not pulled off successfully, then typically it tends to make everyone on the team miserable. Yeah. I'm a, I am generally anti 10 man roster um, and even six man roster, though there are a couple more cases of that kind of working out. Um, sister teams are a totally different things. Sister teams, I think, were great. Um, mm -hmm. but, but 10 man roster on its own doesn't seem to, to really work ever. Um, and the times where these kinds of things do work, I always use more like the exception that proves the rule than. You know, saying like this is something that should be pursued. Uh, it just has been attempted so many times with so many degrees of failure that I just it was like I don't know why you would opt into it and be like, no, 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 I'm going to be the one guy who does it right. <laughs> Everyone else did it wrong. Yeah, and, exactly. Like, 
it just feels like such an uphill battle. It doesn't make sense in league on any level um, compared to traditional sports where it's like, okay, players get tired. Players can't play the entire game. You have a bench for a reason to sub people the in. The game never changes. <clears throat> well, the game, you mean over the course in, of a year? In traditional sports, I'm saying there's no patches that, like, I've, I've heard that listed as one of the reasons why, like, rotating players is not always the best idea because, or having this, because the not only are they having to deal with switching between teammates, but they also have to update on meta changes and patch changes and champions and all that stuff. I guess. I mean, it's it's a bit of a weird point there because on the one hand, you could argue that having a bench of players who can play the things should the meta change would actually be a reason to. But I would just argue that, you know, you have to relearn all these new things with different players when you bring them in. Uh, that makes it a lot harder because, you know, this guy likes to play this way, has this champ pool, he communicates this way, uh, has these habits, this kind of stuff that you have to relearn every single time you want to do one of these substitutions and build that synergy up. And so... I, I don't think any of the inherent obvious reasons from traditional sports exist. I don't think you're like most players, like the sword versus shield stuff that people talk about with example, with the C9, when it was like, okay, you have a defensive player and the top lane is going to play tanks and weak side. And then the aggressive counterpick guy for red side, like cool. But if you also just hard committed to one of those play styles and spent your entire practice time honing that, I would argue most of the time you end up a better team than like mm -hmm. half practicing two different styles. Um, yep. And, and like it, it can work. I do think there's value sometimes for having the six man roster and just, you know, Shy and Duke and you know, there, there's there's been been a couple examples more of the six man roster, but the ten man roster is just a a big old swing and a miss most of the time. My, yeah, like, oh, go ahead, oh, no, go. I was gonna say, like I said, I think the only successful iteration I can really think of outside of uh, people will probably point out T one. 2015, I believe, but even then they ended up kind of just having Faker learn uh, how to be more of like a selfless player. And then they just destroyed everyone at Worlds with Faker still in mid, right? So yeah. like, this is someone who's like, again, like if you're, if you're looking at rotating a roster, why are you doing it? Typically you're doing it because you have someone who can't play a certain subset of champions in a meta that you want them to be playing those champions, right? But I can't see that argument for Faker ever. This is someone who's always been able to flex into whatever meta he's been in, right? So even if, it, like, it, that, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. I don't see, like, a set reason as to why you would even attempt this. And when you have players coming out and saying they hate it, to then double down and say, we're going to continue. And I believe even one of the coaches in an interview said, I didn't expect it to be this difficult. <laughs> uh, like that, that's, that's rough. You know, like I, I don't see why you don't just end the experiment there, settle on the starting five and play them. I think it was a Zale because we were talking about this this weekend during one of the, during the LCS days, he was like, also, even when you point to that easy hoon faker example as like a success case, you know, he, he pointed out that like the, the roster ended after that year, like yep. easy hoon wanted to be a starter. So like even, even the successful case, the same thing happened with Ray and, and Impact, like that like kind of blew up. Like, it's not really like a long-term play usually, because even when you're successful, the guy is like, wait, if I'm good enough to be a starter playing yeah, this play style, start. yeah, why would I <laughs> share time to not play my play style? And, you know, so like it's, it, it doesn't even make sense really for long-term development. Um, okay, here's my proposal for SKT. They can use it for free. They just... In any any time where 
the game is like they're in a match, a best of match, and it's going to match point. They field Faker until it goes to match point, and then they bring in Closer <laughs> to close out the series. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. Anyway, uh, Hannah, I'm unmuting you now. Uh, sorry that you were muted, but we were we were getting some muting noises and stuff. Uh, anything you want to any any thoughts on any of the stuff that we've said? Uh, I mostly agree. I mean, I, I have some more stronger opinions about it, but I, I understand that I you, know, you probably shouldn't be like hard explaining them. But I I, th- I wish they would just like pick. Like, I think it's clear that Baker's better than Closer. I think it's clear that Ellen should not be playing anymore, that owner and uh, Closer better. And I wish they would just pick one of Teddy and uh, Guma. But yeah, I'm sorry for my mic issues. It's okay. Any shout outs before we go on to our last caller? Uh, yeah, shout out uh, Savannah, shout out Dong uh, Ho, shout out uh, Emily, or Emily Rand and a different Emily I know. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Nice one. I did not mean to, to move them. Uh, so wow. I had a I had a caller who I pulled to talk C9, but then they never unmuted the entire time, so I just kicked them from the waiting room. Um, well, we're, I, we're I over time already. We got one more caller, right? Yeah, so we'll just see the last one. Mark is grabbing our last caller. I would shout out um, more subs, but uh, nobody has subbed. So we'll just sit in this awkward silence. Um, Nikolos is here. Nikolos, where are you calling from? Santa Clarita, California. Santa Clarita. You've been on before, yeah? Yep. Long time viewer, couple times caller. What do you want to talk about on the show? I am watching this kid Neo on Dig, and I am so impressed with like how he's been playing this split on his first split. And I just I, I watch him play, and I'm thinking to myself, this kid reminds me a lot of how Doublelift would play, like how he pressures the lane, how much damage and kills he's putting out. I know this is premature, obviously, but I'm thinking like who is gonna take the place of Doublelift as like their spiritual successor, and Obviously, this is this kid's first split, but I'm looking at this kid, and he's passing the eye test for me. I put him on my fantasy league, and my I'm in two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in fantasy finals, like solely due to this kid. I'm pretty sure. So, I feel pretty confident that he's gonna impress in the next couple of splits. Uh, here's so... here's my concern. I feel like people were really hyped on tactical last year and Emily and Mark I kind of feel like tactical is not looking so hot this year right uh he had a really good start to the year and sh- is struggling now um and a- FBI I feel like people are not seeing his praises anymore either I think uh that's that's more a function of the team I think FBI has been pretty good still uh I would I would go to bat a little for for FBI uh on this caller's point though of neo he is playing very well, much better than I anticipated, but I, I just can't make a double lift comparison. I feel like they approach laning phase so differently. Um, Neo does not seem particularly aggressive in laning phase. I think he follows yeah. up on plays well. Like, you know, Afro is really good about spoon feeding people. Like, he did it with Cody, he did it with Johnson, he's doing it again here and coordinating with, with 
Dardock and stuff, like he's great. And Neil plays really well, but like Doublelift was so lane aggro and so trade focused and like really worked hard at, at those kinds of things. And I just haven't seen Neo and Afro like doing that quite as much. Yeah, they're not going to contest you over like every CS. Um, and sometimes they make laning mistakes. I think where Neo is really shown for me is in his team fighting. His team fighting has been like surprisingly good, especially based on my because like i um i had some pretty good expectations of fake god and sligo coming in because i felt like they'd grown a lot from the last time we saw them in lcs based on their academy performances however with neo i didn't have that same feeling and he's like smashed every low expectation i've had of him um particularly in team fighting uh so i think that's probably where neo has impressed me but i think he I mean, I, I think he's still like comparatively inexperienced and he has, he still has like tremendous growth potential, especially with leaning. Oh, I thought Raz was popping off about our, our take. He's just fucking mad that he lost his, his, well, uh... so he said, he said in Twitch chat, he said, somebody said, how did you get mod back? Cause he had gone for a while ago and he said, I have dirt on Travis. So oh. I just immediately unmodded him so I could remind him who who provides the gift of modding to him and then uh, granted it back. So, so real quick, like um, at CSD at 15, uh, Neo is 0.1, so just kind of average. Uh, and his 4% is only 20%, which puts him bottom. He's seventh place, basically eighth place for it. Um, and so, you know, this isn't to say he's a bad laner. I just don't even think that they approach lane the same way. Like Doublelift, and he changed a little bit over the course of his career, but generally speaking, he was someone who wanted to fight you over CS, and he would he would scrap you for lane dominance. And I don't see that same approach. Four percent is not a huge Does stat. have that? Because I mean, Nucleus's question was like, who's going to be the next double if? So is there a different candidate? I feel like FBI. For easy. He he fucks you up in lane phase. He's really good at trading. Emily. Yeah. I mean, I feel like all, again, like sometimes I just have LPL brain where they will contest the wave and really shouldn't. Um, <laughs> there's no, <laughs> uh, I would, I would actually probably agree. FBI would be the, the closest. I know like Doublelift would look, always look at, uh, LPL 80 carries too, like just, just their laning, um, because he thought that their laning was like, his ideal laning style um, in terms of just contesting people constantly. So I feel like North America as a region doesn't really reward that either. So most people probably aren't going to play that way. And that's not a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. Ne Nicholas, what you oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I noticed the same things about the lane phase, how Neo kind of excels more in the team fight mid to late game. But I, when I'm looking at the stats on Oracle's Elixir and what position Neo is in relative to FBI, it looks to me like Neo is doing a lot more with the resources he's given versus what FBI is doing in lane phase, the advantages he's getting and what he's transitioning that into, into kills and participation. 
that I think can be, and I'm not saying it is in his case, I'm looking now, but I know a couple of FBI's games are heav- heavily skewed because of Fasting Senna. Yeah, you have to pull out the Fasting Senna games when looking at lane stats. And in terms of right. like uh, kills, FBI is still third and he's number one in DPM. So like, you know, these are not full pictures. I don't want to discredit uh, Neo. Mm-hmm. I think he's been really, really good. I think F- uh 100 Thieves had a lot of struggles as well in like skirmishes and team fights and stuff that I, I largely wouldn't put on on FBI though I think he's he's FBI I want to be clear too FBI has made a lot of mistakes this split too like there was that game where they got TP'd on from behind and he's just like hitting the turret and then dies like don't want to make it seem like FBI is is a god and and it's like not close but I, I think um I I would still largely say FBI has been pretty good um and the the mantle of double lift is not claimed by anyone yet. Oh yeah, definitely. I think I think we're still maybe a couple seasons or years from having someone that's dominant as double lift, but I think this guy's passing the eye test and FBI is definitely up there too for the contender. Yeah. Hey Nucleus, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to say before we move on to the last caller because Mark was able to get the other person back? Just want to shout out Alienware and GameFuel for supporting one of the best content creators in the journalist scene for esports. Thank so, you so thank much. You. Have a good one. All right. Mark's going to grab our last person who, who did manage to make it back. Um, Raz having a heart attack in the chat about stats being used as main reasoning to rank players. Always upset yeah. that man. Uh, Sash Bash. 14 sash bash 14 thank you for the sub and then austin hearth gifted a sub to speaker i'm sure speaker will be using my emotes religiously <laughs> uh doll is here doll where are you calling from hey guys i'm calling from uh lewiston idaho idaho what do you want to talk about on the show i just want to talk about how uh what happened to cloud nine this weekend uh what are you guys' takes on that uh and if they're still a top-ranked team in your in your guys' eyes? Good question. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are really curious. I mean, this weekend, this coming weekend, I feel like everyone's going to be looking at Cloud9 to be like, are they going to fall? Will they lose yeah. their first-place position? Um, I don't know. What do you think, Emily? Um, I think C9 are still a top team in my eyes. I think... Um, if you look at their, I'm pulling up their drafting just to remind myself, um, like the, the, the mental, uh, bounce back that TSM had to have in order to beat them was really impressive. And I think TSM are also a pretty good team. I think when people talk about TSM, this split, typically they have lock-in TSM still in their head when they think about this team facing off against other top teams in North America, but they've improved exponentially since then, especially since then, especially in their communication. So I think that's also something to consider when you're looking at um, C9's loss to TSM specifically. And then they also lost to Team Liquid. So um, I don't think like in terms of RC9, a top team, I think definitely. Did I pick them to win both of those games? Yes, I did. But do I think it's like absolutely stunning that they lost in a single game format to TSM and Team Liquid, two teams that 
despite Team Liquid's struggles, I also rate them really highly. No, I don't. Um, I think the other big thing with C9 in some of these, they're obviously testing out the Caitlyn, which is interesting. I actually think Caitlyn's super strong. Um, but I think you have to play a specific style with her, and maybe they were not as comfortable with that. Um, I also think in this game against TSM specifically, if I remember correctly, that was the Blabber four buff game where mm -hmm. he was just contesting like literally everything, like running through a wave to get to bot side scuttle. Um, and I really loved that from him. They were not able to transfer that into uh, mid and late game. So that's another thing that, you know, I'm considering when I'm looking at it, but in terms of like our C9 plummeting to the ground, are they dead? Uh, when people think about that, I think they just have last year in their head. Um, and so they're thinking like, oh, this is gonna happen to C9 again. We've seen this before, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that will be the case for a few reasons. I think, um, I think Perks is someone who is always really, uh, or not, not always because we have to think back to some of the early G2 phases, but like, you know, in, in more recent years has proven to be someone who's like incredibly good under pressure and someone who's incredibly flexible um, and someone who can help lead a team through playoffs. I think C9, uh, when you look at this team, have a generally strong amount of flexibility in draft and they also consider who is on this team um, when they do draft. Uh, specifically what their strengths and weaknesses are. So uh, I still have a lot of confidence in C9 going into best of fives, uh, even with this past week. Maybe if they come out and go like 0-3 somehow, then I'll reevaluate that position. But right now, I'm not super, super worried about them, to be honest. Yeah, I uh, I saw someone on Twitch asking about the draft a little bit. So to hop into that a little bit, like they're playing four range. Uh, Lilia, Victor, Morgana, Kate. You have no front line. All you can do is get to places first and set up. And the fact that they're 3K ahead means like they should have been able to do that. And mm -hmm. I think they were just really bad at actually forcing TSM through choke points and then punishing them when they tried to walk through it with Caitlyn traps and bindings and Victor gravity field. And like the, the second Drake, which I think it was the second Drake. might have been the third Drake. But the one that C9 actually still got, I believe, or maybe Speaker stole it. I forget. But he was able to sprint around through the choke point while other people were contesting from the bot side. And C9 actually didn't get anything off that. Uh, their their Baron situation, it was a similar thing. And then they mechanically misplayed a number of situations. Like, we people talk about the, the Black Shield onto... Uh, Fudge. Uh, F Vulcan. Mm -hmm. Nice try, Travis. Shot in the dark, one in five, you missed. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Um, but I would say that they had a really difficult comp to play. Anytime you play one of these comps, mm -hmm. they're super fragile. If the enemy gets on top of you and you don't actually control mm -hmm. things correctly, you're just going to blow up. And that's what happened. I think that they just played it pretty poorly from ahead. And um, I don't think this is really the style that they're going to be playing. The mo I think they're a mostly proactive team. They want to be making plays, but they picked triple carry kind of multiple times in a row. They, the other game against TL was Caitlyn, Azir, and GP, which is just another kind of like more passive scaling zone control team. And then Gragas didn't even build tank in that one when he played Gragas. He played uh he played Protobelt into uh oh my god. Uh, Void Staff. So he was still going damage in that one too, which was also weird. So like I think that they were 
branching out with their drafts, trying new things because they can always play the more aggressive style. Um, and it didn't work. And I don't, I don't think that that's a, a death knell to them at all. So it sounds like concerns about C9's fall are a little overstated. I, I guess, Emily and Mark, what happens this weekend if C9... Actually, I should look at their schedule. So they play uh, CLG. It should be relatively easy. Dig and Immortals. So they should have a easier schedule this weekend. So, I mean, if they... what Would you guys expect them to go 3-0? I would expect it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they lost to Dig necessarily, but it would be an upset still. So what if yeah. they lose two of those games? Do you then start, should C9 fans then start panicking? Are they still running different compositions? I don't know. That's, that would be my other question. Like, I think it also depends on, like, what they look like. Like, if they lose a really close game to IMT where IMT comes in with one of these drafts that they've obviously like prepared specifically for this game and they know exactly how to execute. And it's still a really, really close game. I'm not going to take that as, as much of a loss as them like fumbling something that they're really comfortable with. And we think they're just playing these different comps because they're pretty secure in the, the positions. I mean, I also think it's good to learn ranged comps despite the fact that they're more difficult. Like I have, um, if you ever hear me go on Kelsey's stream as well, like I'm pretty critical of LPL teams that constantly rely on like really, really short range comps. I think being able to play ranged compositions, especially now with the way that the AD carry meta has shifted is really good. Um, so I don't fault them for trying that. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Maybe maybe they have bad reads on the meta. Maybe this is them thinking that this is the optimal way to play, and they're gonna this is how they have to play, and then they're gonna suck again or something. But I don't think that's the case. I think Vulcan will can go back to playing, you know, melee supports and engagers, and and Fudge can play weak side tanks. I mean, Nars kind of like that, but you know, uh, I think that there's a lot of th- like I don't think you need to put perks on control mages. Yone is still fine. Uh, I love the Yasuo comp that they built that one time. You know, put them on Triss mid. I don't give a shit. Like, the, all those things are still good. So I'd be surprised if they just, like, hard pivoted out of the way of of uh, of that. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, podcast Sorry, listeners are very concerned. I know. They're like, why is there this awkward pause? If there's Doll. ever an awkward pause, it's probably just Mark and the cat. Doll, Doll, what do you think of, uh, of of all this? I I don't know. I was just I thought you guys would be a little bit more affected by what happened this weekend. You know, the uh, I don't remember if it was TSM or TL that they were facing, but they had the three zero lead in the beginning. And they just absolutely threw it and ended ended up losing it. They just blew my mind. I didn't I didn't think that was possible. You know, um, I don't really necessarily like Sven on the Caitlyn. Uh, I think he has better ADCs, but uh, I don't know. I just thought you guys would be a little bit more affected, to be honest. I think they're just diamond hands. Yeah. That's my answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much, Dal. Anything you want to shout out before we close out the show? Uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, just Alienware and G Fuel. Bought the snow cone. Game, game, fuel. Game, fuel. It's pretty good stuff. G Fuel. 
It's game fuel. game fuel. Still game fuel. Game fuel. Game fuel. <laughs> G fuel is a, a inferior product, but I understand the confusion. But anyway, thank you, doll. I really appreciate Let's you shouting shout out. Shout out Hydrostar. Hydrostar and Remy Timmy. Those are two of my boys. Very good. Well, thank <laughs> you. Night, thank thanks, you. Thanks for hanging on. Thank you so much, doll. Have a good one. You too, man. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway. Oh. Anyway, uh, Emily. This is you got? very concerning. Sorry, I keep getting people on the podcast are going to be like, why does she keep just sitting there giggling to herself like a moron? And it's because of all of the zooming and Travis weird to my, gymnastics my... to try to censor the cat. Mark, what do you got for us? Plugs, shoutouts, whatever. Um, nothing. nothing. Shout out my little baby boys, little cute baby boys. Ugh. <clears throat> Why does everybody I know suddenly everybody has those uh those like cat mounts on the wall? Like you guys have one of them now. I watch girlfriend reviews; they have one. I feel like cat mounts are all the all the rage. I don't know. I just uh, my cats. So the reason I got one was because our litter box is in the corner here. And my cat, the orange one, wanted to chill with me when I was in here doing broadcast. And he would lay on the like mat that he wipes his paws on because it's the softest thing nearby. And I was like, dude, that's gross. So I got him a wall <laughs> mount so he could lay on top of something while I'm, I'm working and watch me. That's what he's sleeping on right now. Because otherwise he'd be on the floor. Great. Emily, what do you got to shout out? Um, I guess you can follow me on Twitter at League of Emily. I'm not always super active because social media terrifies me. Uh, but yeah, I'll have uh, hopefully some more writing and some other announcements in the next few weeks. And that's about it. I don't have anything else to plug except my analyst desk work. Very good. You know what? I never shout out my Twitter. I'm a shout it out. If you're not following me yet, you watch this show. I don't know. What the fuck you're doing but time to follow me i want to get to 100k i'm not that far off where are you at i'm not even close to 30 i haven't i haven't like grown it you know how you gave me that shout out they're like let's get marked to 100k when i was yeah. like 95k and i was like that's a little premature you're at 97.6 now yeah but it's it's a slow rise to 100k i love that your pin tweet is still the brandon sanderson interview it's probably gonna be up there for a long time i uh I'm trying to to get 210k on YouTube, and Jesus. I've just been like stalled, hard stalled out on the on the YouTube. I think there's a lot of people that don't follow League anymore, and so when I suddenly hit them with like 18 videos in one week, they're like, "Okay, I gotta un unsubscribe to this person." Because I do get a lot of people subscribing to the channel, but I think there are some people that are unsubscribing. Probably people that s subscribed to the channel like a decade ago and are now like, "I don't, I'm done with this." So. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Also, I think a really great interview that I did this past weekend was the one with Sword Art. It's uh, on Reddit right it's now. It's on my channel. He talks about how Core JJ is his biggest enemy, and he, he throws some shade his way by saying, like, yeah, he won Worlds during the Ardent Sensor meta. And, uh, oh, shit. And when we play against him, he really likes to tell his jungler to come bot. Um uh, <laughs> So there's there's some good stuff in there, um, and and then he also has like he's just really articulate, you know. Like I think a lot of people would say, oh well, you know, like he just moved over here. How how great can his English be? But his English, I think, is quite quite good. 
and uh, his answers are fantastic. And it's it's almost a twenty minute long interview, so uh, highly recommend guy. people check it out because I think it is one of my favorites that I've done this year. Um, so anyway, thanks to Emily for coming on the show. Thanks to thanks Mark for, me. for always doing the show. And uh, shout out to Alienware and Gamefield. Be sure to check out all of our stuff and our Twitters. This has been Hotline League episode 160. I'm pretty sure it's 162. We're just going to go with 160. It's Hotline League episode 163. This has been Hotline League episode 163. Thanks for watching.